Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Aaron and Patricia. My name is Patricia. And my name is Aaron. And today on the show, we're going to be talking about the announcement date of the final episode of The Owl House, as well as some other news regarding to it. We have the announcement of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem, which is getting mixed results. Cartoon Network is going to be hosting a Super Tune Showdown on March 14th, while people will be voting for the best Cartoon Network show on different categories. Fifteen years ago today, Super Smash Bros. Brawl was launched in North America on the Wii. Bedrock, a new spin-off series on the Flintstones, has been picked up for a pilot on Fox, and we'll be discussing more of the details later on in the show. We have more about the labor union going on over at the Disney Animation Production. They have written a letter to ask the company to let them join the IATSE. Google Trends data determine which state's favorite Mario character is. Information about the upcoming Garfield animated movie has been leaked online. Bob Iger had announced that they were going to be doing some focusing on quality and not volume by reducing costs on films and TV shows. And in our spoiler section, we have another episode of Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. You're listening to Aaron and Patricia on the 12th of March of 2023. Okay, so people might have picked up that uh, my logos have changed on uh, my social media accounts. So uh, yeah, there is starting to be some movement on the Aaron Messenger, finally. So um, we're going to start uh, giving a bit more a bit more meat on the bone, hopefully within the next couple of days. So stay tuned for more announcements. All right. Awesome. So our top story is that the Owl House, the final episode of the series, is going to be released on April 8th at 9.25 p.m. as a 55-minute special. The final special is going to be called Watching and Dreaming, and a lot of people are very excited about it. Well, I mean, I was wondering about this, actually. Um, there seems to be a lot of concern about this episode, actually, uh, from what I've been reading. And people, like, they're worried about all sorts of things, and uh, let's be honest, like, you know, the stakes get raised when a final episode of a show comes in, like, you know, well, what's going to happen with Lumidy? What's going to happen with uh, The Collector? What's going to happen with Bellows? What's going to happen with, you know, all the other stories? Like, they have got five, 55 minutes, effectively, to wrap up a number of, uh, you know, stories in all of this and uh, how it's all going to end up. And I've got to be honest with everybody, I don't know what everyone's worried about. Like, if anything, I'm really excited because, you know, finally we're going to get, the, you know, the, the, uh, the conclusion to the Owl House story, and uh, I'm actually really excited for it. So... Yeah, and I, I understand why some people are a little concerned about it because, I mean, I'm sure that there'll be some expectations that are going to be raised on certain plot points such as, okay, how are they going to take down Emperor Bellows? How are they going to be able to wrap up the story between Lumity and um, Ida and King and everybody? And I'm sure that um, people are going to be excited about it, but at the same time, it is a bittersweet note. Yeah, I don't know, like, I was wondering what the overall, like, you know, st you know uh, message is going to be for, like, you know, because, you know, the final episode usually, like, puts in, like, you know, a, a big message at the end, really, and uh, I don't know, like, given the fact that we've come from, you know, um, you know, all the things that have happened, like, over the last, you know, hundreds of years in the Boiling Isles, like, uh, maybe the story, the thing is going to be, like, you know, the, uh, the um, things that we do today are going to basically affect a lot of things in the future. And uh, mm -hmm. that might be the message we're kind of going to come away with, really. So uh, I think there's going to be that, I think, if we're going to have, like, a final message. Um, in regards to, like, all the other elements, I mean, I think we are going to get some final Lumity stuff, I think, you know. Uh, I don't know why, but uh, maybe I'm probably might be guessing this here. You know, uh, we might get, like, a jump into the future about where all the characters are. 
eventually when it's all um, like all said and done. Poss- possibly. I mean, they did the same thing with Amphibia. Exactly. Yeah, and uh, they did the same thing with uh, Phoebe, Phineas and Ferb as well before they announced they're bringing it back. <laughs> so yeah, and- <laughs> yeah, I, I, that's going to be how uh, interesting of how they're going to be able to tie all that up. But yeah, I think that at the end of the day, I understand why some people are a little bit nervous. I mean, I'm sure that the last time people were really invested about like a last episode and it let them down. I'm sure that they um, don't want the same thing to happen with the Owl House. I mean, oh, are we are we referring to Star versus the Forces of Evil? In, yes, in, we like, are. I mean that, that whole season basically was. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, uh, there was all sorts of, like, wrong turns, I think, that was taken to that. So, yeah, I mean, like, uh, I mean, I can understand why some people might be a bit concerned about that, because, you know, every time we've gone through an episode of The Owl House, we've always said the same thing. This is better than last week's episode. And it just, that, that's yeah. the theme that The Owl House has been on. Like, and that's not a bad thing to be either, but we kind of, like, been sitting there kind of wondering, when's The Owl House going to slip up? When's The Owl House going to actually do something that, you know, the fans don't agree with? Now, here's, keep this in mind, if we went five seasons and a hundred episodes... I guarantee you there will be some stinker episodes. You know, like, oh, or there sure, sure. will be some filler episodes, like, you know, like, I don't know, uh, Hootie taking a bath, or like, you know, uh, Hunter, you know, getting obsessed with a game, or like, you know, those side episodes that really don't add anything to the plot. Like, you know, it's just, it's, but, uh, you know, they just happen to be like character episodes that kind of like keep the thing going. By the way, um, the the one great thing about the, I mean, we can probably cancel out like, you know, the last five, you know, the first five episodes of the show because obviously Disney was looking over their shoulder while like, you know, all that was going on. But, uh, you know, um, in regards to the episodes where, you know, Dana had total control over the show, you know, uh, they've never wrong footed, have they? Like, mm. yeah, so, um, you know, I think that um, I think we've got nothing to worry about. I think in regards to going to the final, but like, look at the theme of the show. Since you know Disney walked, kind of walked away and let the, let the team do their own thing, and look at look at the results that have been like you know come out of that because of that. You know. Yeah, and and I think that at the end of the day, I think that we are going to get a satisfying note. I I know a lot of people wanted to see more stuff, and I know that a lot of people wanted to see uh, more of the story develop, but, you know, I mean, it's like what Dana Terra said. They were able to do what they had to do under the tight circumstances that they were shortened uh, an entire season because, you know, according to the Disney executive, that the Owl House didn't fit their brand. Yeah, well, uh, I think a lot of things have been falling apart down the house of mouth hence why bog Iger is back pretty much so yeah like, exactly yeah. and of course that disney executive is no longer there and i think that the people who are a part of the disney uh tv afternoon uh division have seen the mistakes that that person did and are trying to kind of rectify it but at the same time i don't think that we're going to be getting any more of the owl house in the future because according to dana terrace's social media account she has officially cleaned out her desk and she has um decided that she was no longer going to be working under the House of Mouse, which is kind of crazy to think that she has been working there for almost a decade. She's been there since Gravity Falls. Exactly. So, I mean, it's interesting to see where she goes next. I mean, or if she decides that she's going to stay in animation. Like, uh, I mean, the thing is, is that, you know, she has, let, she has let loose on Disney and how much she doesn't, you know, how much some of the problems that she's uh, had at Disney while she's been there. And I don't know. I could probably imagine that's going to turn off a lot of people like uh, i can't imagine her going to dreamworks i can't imagine her going to illumination and uh, i can't imagine her going to uh, you know some of the other ones where you know they are if it, you really are company employees and are dedicated to the brand and don't really like people who like kind of like speak out against the against the tone 
you know? Yeah, I, I mean, unfortunately, what we, we've been talking about this over the past several months, that the animation division has become more or less a massive train wreck because a lot of places that you would do animated shows have severely been cut due to a lot of things, budget restraints, and, uh, you know, a lot of people have lost their jobs, and a lot of things that looked really promising have been canceled. Uh, you, we've talked about Netflix. We talked about HBO Max. We talked about Nickelodeon. We talked about um, Amazon Prime. I mean, like, at this point in time, a lot of these animation stud uh, studios and companies and people who want to get into the field have practically nowhere else to go. Yeah. And I mean, the only other thing I think she could do, which, you know, obviously is going to be, you know, uh, is going to be horrendous on her credit score, but, you know, like, uh, she goes to, she goes to the Don Bluff route and opens up a load of independent studios and basically does does a lot of things, you know, uh, tries to compete with, like, you know, the, the big dogs, doesn't end up succeeding all that well, and it's a bankrupting number, number of companies, you know? And then like eventually it. going over to a major company and then bankrupting that one because their <laughs> stuff didn't do very well and then not doing animation for 20 years because you want to focus on teaching and then you do a Kickstarter for something that you want to do for a long time that was animated but then instead turn it over to live action. Mm, exactly. Like it's just – it's. Uh... Yeah, I mean, where Dana Terrace goes from there, I'm not entirely sure. I mean, like, it's, uh, I mean, one thing I think, uh, I mean, who's currently doing, uh, who's responsible for Hell of a Boss and uh, has been Hotel? Who's, like, doing... Oh, um, that's um, Vivienne Majoro, but at the same time, she's been kind of, like, doing this independently. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, if you decided to go studio and decided to bring in a couple of people, I could see Dana go into that mix, couldn't you? Hmm. I mean, if she has all the resources, if she has the money, and if she has the talent, then sure, I'm sure that she can be able to do it. But I mean, here's the thing that um, Vivian Medrano has, uh, you know, done is that you know because of her connections, you know, they're able to have all this stuff released. So I mean, you know, it's going to take a while, like maybe several months, as opposed to once a week, but. If Dana Terrace wants to take that direction, I don't see why not. I mean, I can see you like, okay, we've got this brand new show, and here's Dana Terrace, and I guarantee you that would get the whole place bursting. Like, you know, like everyone everyone will be excited for whatever if they, if they decided to do that. I could see her doing pretty well if she decided to team up with, uh, you know, with them, I think. So, but hmm. anyway, like, we're speculating here. We have no idea what she's going to do. So, like, uh, like what it is, like, you know, um, I don't know if it's going to be a case that, you know, she's made the money. She's going to basically, you know, do some, like, side projects just for a while. And then after that, when she needs to make some more money, she'll go off and do something big. Maybe. Yeah, so. I mean, it'll be very similar to a lot of these creators in which they'll take a few years to, you know, recollect themselves, trying to think of some new ideas and maybe work on some other side projects until the next big thing happens. So, yeah, in the meanwhile, uh, let's just uh, wait for the last episode to come out and let's just be excited for whatever happens next for both the Owl House and for Dana. I mean, in regards to, like, the Owl House, I mean, uh, here's the thing. Just because, you know, Dana has now gone. I mean, keep this in mind. Chibiverse is still going, so no doubt there's going to be Owl House references left, right, and center in that show. Oh, sure. So like, that's still going to be keeping people in the... This is the thing. Chibiverse, I think, is going to keep the... Gonna, as long as they keep renewing that show, and they keep, like, bringing in, like, you know, Disney characters, and, like, you know... They actually mean they need to stop with, like, the current Disney animated shows. They could probably go back to, like, you know, all the way back to the Gummy Bears if they wanted to. Like, bringing, like, other other car, you know characters into the mix. So, I mean, like, you know, there's, there's loads of possibilities within Chibiverse, but the one important thing that Chibiverse is going to do... I think is going to keep people aware of of shows like Amphibia and Gravity Falls and The Owl House and various other ones too and Molly McGee. 
And so, I mean, as long I think as, as that keeps going, I think that's still going to keep in the fa- minds of the fans that they still want to see this stuff. I think so. Like, who knows? Maybe they might even use Chibiverse to kind of like you know test the waters on a couple of things and say like, hmm, could a, could a spin-off like work in this particular thing? You know, mm. so uh, it oh, could be. Oh, or maybe they could do something different. Maybe they could like say, okay, well, um, we're going to try to tell the you know uh, the uh, Azura story. Maybe like you know, maybe we bring that as like a spin-off series. Or like, uh, I mean, Dana has been saying that she wanted to do spinoff series on um, Ida, Rain, Lilith during their Hexide days. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's not out of the it's not out of the realm of the possibility. The only problem is that it looks like Dana, anything that they do Owl House related here on end will not be well. Dana Terrace will not be involved. That is it. true, yeah, yeah. especially since, uh, you know, she has left. And, you know, the Owl House is a Disney property, so they can do whatever they want with it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Ren and Stimby's a, D- a Nickelodeon property, and they can do whatever they want with it. And they have. Yeah. You know. Yeah, so. and they have. They're, they are bringing it back in uh, Comedy Central, yeah. Yeah, so there is a possibility that the Owl House, I mean, keep this in mind, like, it's created such a buzz now, I don't think Disney can ignore it. I think I think that there's two ways that they're going to go about this. Is that They're going to say, okay, well, it looks like the Owl House has done pretty well, so we're going to keep keeping it in the, like, you know, the, the Disney fold in regards to, like, we're not going to make any more, like, series or spin-offs or anything like that, but, you know, we'll have the occasional merchandise, we'll have it, like, referenced in, like, shows, things like that, like, you know, we'll keep it in the subconscious so, you know, the, the, some of the Owl House fans have something to hang on to, or B, they'll say, well, we're not going to do any more Owl House stuff, but we are going to learn the lessons if we do another show like this, and therefore, you know, um, if they do bring something out that is going to be similar to the Owl House, you know, like, in, in structure, I think they'll know not to mess with it. I think so. Yeah, yeah or, or maybe, yeah. or maybe they'll just wait, like maybe fifteen, twenty years from now, and then they'll just reboot the whole thing. Uh, well, oh, li- the live action reboot Owl House. Yeah, like, <laughs> good grief! No thanks. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so I guess um, with that uh, bit of news out of the way, let's talk about the fact that why we decided to focus more on the fact that Owl House could be possibly, you know, re- you know, coming back into like sp- spinoffs and all that kind of stuff is because the Owl House uh, is the number one, th- uh, the number three, number three, <laughs> most. In- yeah, the mo- <laughs> The number three most in-demand show in Disney+. Plus. Yeah. Um, again, it doesn't surprise me. Like, you know, it's just like, this show is so good. You know, like, uh, the the characters, the story, you know, the whole uh, setup in regards to it. And also, it's something different than what Disney usually does. You know? Yeah. Like, it's just like, it, I mean, anyone who hasn't seen The Owl House yet, who's been listening to this show, seriously should go watch The Owl House. Seriously, yeah. Like it's just it, yeah. Is that good? And, yeah. And number Wait. three is 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 pretty remarkable, considering that number two is the Mandalorian, and number one is the, of course, ever popular and ever uh, groundbreaking Simpsons. So yeah, of course, that's going to always be number well, one. Well, yeah, the, the Simpsons is going to be number one forever in a day until they finally cancel the show. But so uh, you know, like uh, that, that's this is going to be. But this is the thing, like you know, uh, the Simpsons is going to be their biggest money spinner. And by the way, who's number two? In that list, I the, ma- the Mandalorian. Oh yeah, well you know, it's, it's Star Wars, of course. But yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I will be. You know, here's the thing: if the Owl House was topping those shows, there would be serious discussions going on at Disney right now about how they go forward. Like you know, and uh, I guarantee you, they if uh, Dana Terrace was clearing clearing out her desk, I guarantee Bob Iger, I think himself, will probably come in and start putting stuff back on the shelf. You know, it's like, <laughs> no, you're not going anywhere. What are you kidding? It's like, uh, but, you know, uh, but I mean, like, um, yeah, so, I mean, number three is a great place to be, I think, yeah. for, for, for definitely for Disney Plus. And um, the thing is, though, is that, I mean, here's another thing, like, if once the Owl House is gone, you know, uh, will it take the Disney Plus subscribers with them? 
effectively. Like, you know, uh, like, just keep this in mind. Like, you know, what is keeping... I mean, obviously, we've got Thinnies and Ferb coming back. We've now got Molly yes. McGee. We've now got Hamster and Gretel. And uh, yes. we've got, like, other show. And also, we've got Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur, which we're going to be talking about at the end of the show. Uh, so keep an eye for that if you want to, if you want to be spoiled on the episode. But, you know, uh, I don't know. Like, uh, given the fact that Gravity Falls is not there, Amphibia is no longer there, and the Owl House is no longer there, I feel like an era has kind of gone by. A little bit of like you know a lot of people shows. are saying that there's some rumors going around and, and and you know don't quote us by the way we're just hearing about what the rumors are saying that once the owl house airs its last episode it'll be the end of a story driven era where we started off with gravity falls and then we continued on with shows such as like ducktales and amphibia and and the owl house in which it had like the story driven shows and the strong characters and all that kind of stuff a lot of people are saying um that well, it is the you know, end once, of that era. I mean, it is. Yeah, a lot of people like, are saying that it is because, you know, you know we have uh, Molly McGee and Hamster and Gretel and a new show called Kiff that is focusing more on, like, episodic structures yeah, and comedy like, and stuff the, like the, that. The episodic structure is so 90s. You know, like it was like it was, uh, you know, it is it, is a bygone era in my opinion. People want big stories, like you know, uh, the Lord of the Rings is going to be having to come back soon, isn't it? Like, yes, uh, yeah, exactly, yeah. But I mean, like, as much as we make fun of, like, big giant stories that go on for hours on end, people actually get into this stuff. You know, box sets are so popular. Like, you know, like, look at The Last of Us. Look at, like, some of the other shows that have been around that have been, like, you know, story driven, like, from episode to episode. You know? Like, it's well, just, The Last of Us is based off of a video game. Well, yeah, exactly. But it's, it's again, yeah. But, you know, it's, it's episodic, isn't it? It's not episodic. It's, not episodic. it's like, it's, you know, it's, it's episode story by episode. driven. It's story driven. Yeah, exactly. People like this stuff and will gravitate towards it because they are so intrigued about what happens in the next episode. You know? Yeah, and, and I can understand from, like, a business perspective that story-driven shows are very problematic because if a kid tunes into, like, episode... 14 of a story driven show then they're going to get lost and then they have to go back and rewatch everything i mentioned this before in the era of streaming the- why should that be a problem seriously like you know it's just i i seriously believe that they've got this wrong you know like it's just it's like okay if you um if you want to create stuff for the Di- i mean here's the thing like the disney channel is going to be gone soon i guarantee you like you know look look at the rest of the world all the disney channels around the world are currently shutting down the UK's already gone, and like some of the other ones are already gone too. I guarantee you, somewhere down the line, uh, the, you know, the, the Disney Channel in the UK, in the United States of America will also be gone too, and then you'll be left with Disney Plus. You know, like that just seems to be where we're going right now. I mean, they're, 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 unless like unless Disney Channel still have justification for still doing like live television at the minute, like you know, which they could easily do on Disney Plus. Like, you know, like, uh, look yeah. what Nintendo Direct are doing with it. You know, look what Nintendo are doing with their Nintendo Directs. You know, like uh, if they ever do them live, like they just put them on YouTube. Uh, yeah, a lot of uh, here's the thing. A lot of TV channels that have been around for decades are starting to go away. Like Teletoon in Canada, I mean, they've been around for decades, and you know they're gone too, and being replaced with Cartoon Network Canada. And then we have CITV that's been around for forty years, and that's gone too. Yeah, exactly. So um, a, a lot of these, uh, you know, a lot of these things are now going to watch streaming. Uh, effectively, and so and uh, you know, it's. Uh, I think it's in, in my opinion, it's short sightedness on Disney's part to say that uh, you know oh, we're going to have like these episodic uh, you know shows that uh, you know going to appear on our Disney Channel, and then when it comes to Disney Plus, then they're going to go over there, and uh, you might as well like you know have more injury by having like you know a story that goes across a season effectively on that because like you know um 
Uh, I mean, I'm still holding on to the fact, you know, the very first episode of Moon Girl Devil Dinosaur we watched, by the spoilers, by the way, if, we, if we're going to go into that. But I mean, tell you what, we'll, we'll go out into later on in the show. You remind me when I to bring up that point up when we get into Moon Girl oh, Devil yeah, Dinosaur. Oh, yeah, for but, sure. But basically, there is a plot point that was mentioned in the first episode, which I really hope is going to be, you know, mentioned again somewhere in the next couple of episodes, I hope. That uh, you know, uh, and I really hope that they you know go go in that somewhere, go in that direction, give us something to hold on to, effectively. Because I think if we're just going to go episode by episode, and you know, nothing really kind of like happens, you know, it, it is going to become kind of like I mean, you know, um, it's okay if like interesting stories are being told, like you know, within 22 minutes, you know, I, I guess. But I don't know, like I can see myself getting bored. Uh, effectively. You know, even Rick and Morty had, like, even though they had, like, episodes that were kind of, like, you know, dedicated to, like, you know, one particular joke or one particular thing, or, like, one particular story, there was still, like, the overarching thing that was going on within Rick and Morty. You know? So... I just feel like um, you know, the going this uh, doing this episodic thing, in my opinion, I think is just short sightedness. Because somewhere down the line, it's all going to go streaming. Everyone's going to want to do the. Everyone's going to like want to do the box sets and have a story that goes on across the season. In my opinion. Now, now, now there's not to say that um, you know episodic shows are bad or anything like that. If you're able to make each thing entertaining while making it stand alone, then that's perfectly fine. If you're into that kind of stuff, then hey, that's fantastic. But I think you're right because uh, over time, if you do watch something in, in you know like binging, which I know that Aaron and I we've talked about in the past that we are not binging people, but let's be honest, there are a lot of people who are, and if they see something in like long long bursts of a sh uh, you know of a series and basically like the same thing happens or not a lot of things are progressing then people will start getting bored with it but i'm sure that people can be able to work around the limitations of okay we need to make this stand alone what can we do to make things different i'm sure that there have been plenty of shows that are like that but yeah, I think that for the rumors of, you know, there's going to be no more story-driven shows in Disney, I'm sure that a lot of people are very disappointed. And I wouldn't be surprised if um, the dropping point is going to be increased once the Owl House is finished. Well, I, I just think that, uh, you know, people are already making the choice. I mean, like, subscriptions were down for a Disney Plus, you know, at the, uh, the end of this year. Pretty much, and they uh, were, we, yeah. We, uh, uh, yeah. How many was it? Ten million or something? Uh, something? Something about that, yeah. I mean, keep, keep in mind, like you know, uh, Disney Plus like got like over 160 million subscribers worldwide. So like you know, it's a, uh, it's uh, it is it is a big drop, but like it's not like they don't have subscribers, you know. So um, the, the one thing I'll say is that I think if they don't give any intrigue to Disney fans to still stay on Disney Plus, they you know, if all they're going to do is just kind of like just kind of shovel them like you know live action remakes, then quite frankly, it's it's not it, it it's done. You know, like, uh, people will make the decision not to resubscribe to Disney Plus because they feel like there's nothing there for them, you know? Mm-hmm, so. yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, we'll just have to wait and see where the future holds for Disney television, so... Uh, but in the meanwhile, we're going to be looking forward to the last episode of The Owl House coming next month. Exactly, and uh, it, it, by the way, even get excited for it. Like, you know, it's the it's the final of Etsy Lake. You know, if, uh, if I was at Preston North End, we'd be excited for a final, <laughs> you know? So, you know, you should be excited too, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's, let's be excited. Yeah. 
All right, so we're going to go on to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem. So this was announced during the Kids' Choice Awards, and a lot of people had seen what Seth Rogen was able to have in his interpretation of TMNT, which I'm glad it's not the Michael Bay version. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, like, I think we've had enough of that. Thank you. Yeah, but you know, like uh, just uh, just to give like the uh, my, my you know overarching opinion of it, this actually looks like a bunch of teenagers who are ninjas and turtles. You know, like, I mean, uh, it makes a lot of sense because the voice cast of the Turtles are, get this, Aaron, they're teenagers. Well, what a novel concept. Like, you know, uh, not <laughs> seen that before. <laughs> Recess and pay Arnold. I mean, to be fair, I mean, this. I think this is the first time in the 35 years that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles has been around that the TMNT are voiced by teenagers yeah like, amazing isn't it? it it is isn't it don't, don't get me wrong like you know we 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 adore like you know the, the voice actors are like you know who brought you know tmnt to life don't get don't, don't get us wrong like you know we're ron paulson shout out to him by the way but you know at, yeah, at, yeah. The, at the same time like you know this is you know i'm really surprised they have never gone in this direction with uh, TMNT, and uh, now they've finally done it, and, uh, you know, Seth Rogen is actually going to probably do a, a very, you know, uh, you know, ground down, you know, a very, um, you know, basic, and very, you know, you know, a, a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which actually will be quite faithful, uh, I guess. No, not to the comic series, like, or anything like that, but, like, just the concept alone, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, there hasn't really been a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles animated movie or series that's been faithful to the comics, with the exception of maybe the 2003 version, but the, then again, they took their own liberties. But I would say that both the 2003 series and the 1990 movie was the one that kept the spirit of the original comics, in which it was dark and gritty, and um, it was able to follow the origins of the turtles with the ooze, so all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I mean, from the looks of it, it definitely looks like they're keeping the style of Rise of TMNT but doing it in a, in a completely different way which is great because um, I know a lot of people were mixed with Rise of the TMNT but I mean a lot of people can say that the animation was like one of the highlights and um, the fact that they were able to completely change the interpretation of the turtles. So in this case, I think that they're going back to basics, which is not too much of a surprise because almost every single time that the turtles have been rebooted, they've always gone back to basics and then they just went off and went into a completely different story. So yeah, I mean, we haven't had an animated Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie since the 2007 version, which was over 16 years ago. So um, really interesting to see where they're able to take this direction now we don't know anything about the story but we know about the cast mm. so we have micah abbey shaman brown jr nicholas cantu and brady noon they will be our turtles and uh, the voice cast of the turtles are as such we have uh, Hannibal Barris as Genghis Frog, Rose Byrne as Leatherhead, John Cena <laughs> as Rocksteady of course Ice yeah, of course. But funny enough, uh, actually, you know, you know, Seamus played. Uh, well, I don't remember if it was either Bebop or Rocksteady. He actually played. You know, Seamus, who was actually another WWE wrestler, also played one of the TMNT villains as well. Yeah, so. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you have um, Ice Cube as Superfly, Natasha Demi Trow as Wingnut, 
Ayo Edebiri as April O'Neil, Giancarlo Esposito as Baxter Stockman, Post Malone as Ray Follette, Paul Rudd as Mondo Gecko, Maya Rudolph as Cynthia Otram, and Seth Rogen will be Bebop. Yeah. And uh, Jeff Rowe, if you remember, he also worked on the Mitchells vs. the Machines. He's going to be our director. So, yeah, I guess let's, um, you know, we have that out of the way. Oh, and well, no, hang, hang, hang on a second. We're not out of the way. Yeah, I mean, uh, did you mention Jackie Chan? In that list? Oh yeah, that's right. Jackie Chan How can is going to be Jackie Master Chan? Splinter. Shame on you. But you know, like uh, yeah, so Jackie Chan is going to be Splinter. By the way, you know, uh, no, no, um, you know, stranger to these types of roles because he played Captain Chang in the Chinese version of Mulan. So like, yes. you know, he has played like you know the mentor character before. So like, uh, you know, that's going to be really cool to, to do. So uh, yeah, but yeah, get- and also he was um, he was Mister um, he was Mister One in the the Karate Kid reboot. Oh yeah, exactly. So. Like you know, he's uh, he's only to get to that point, isn't he? Like you know, uh, um, you know, I think uh, after all the scary stunts he's done in the years, I'm really glad he's kind of like you know, <laughs> going into this role instead. <laughs> rather than, like, yeah, exactly. So like you know, <laughs> seriously, Jackie Chan, no more jumping off buildings, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no jumping off buildings, no trying to, um, you know, get yourself hurt with glass or anything yeah, like that. Bombs I, I think in your, your mouth. Time- you know? <laughs> exactly. Oh, no. your, your time is your time is up. Man. We we appreciate everything you've done, Jackie Chan. Please. <laughs> Please take a quieter role, please. Uh, we want you to be alive. <laughs> but no, I'm really glad he's playing Splinter in all of this. This is going to be yeah, so much fun. Yeah, I, I think that's great casting. I, I think that uh, he would be absolutely perfect as the mentor of ninjutsu. Yeah. However, do you want to address the April O'Neil in the room? Oh, God. Must we? Yeah, so um, here's the thing about this. Like, a lot of people are looking at this April O'Neil to, like, say, oh, hey, this is a more, like, you know, uh, different interpretation of what April O'Neil's going to be. And uh, now, here's the thing about this. Like, you know, we've come a long way from, like, you know, the April O'Neil from, like, the 1980s to, you know, TMNT. I think we we can all agree upon that. But, I mean, looking at her, like, again, I've not seen enough of April O'Neil to, like, have, like, you know, a... Uh, a whole like rounded, you know, uh, fair analysis of what April O'Neil is going to be in this movie. They're going to do obviously do a different thing about this, but uh, I've got to be honest with you. At, at first glance, I mean, I get Velma vibes. You know, like it's just it's uh, I don't know. Like uh, they just I look at her and think that uh, I mean, again, I need to know a bit more about her character, like where they're going to go with this April O'Neil. But uh, the fact that she is, you know, uh, the, the way I mean, here's the thing, like uh, her her design. I mean, obviously, is quite rough. I mean, which is uh, I think, you know, fits in with like the whole, you know, mutant mayhem thing. So that's not a complaint I have about. By the way, I don't have a complaint about her being black. You know, shut up. You know, but uh, I mean, I don't have a complaint about you know being you know any of the the wokeness that's going to be in this. That's not my thing at all. My thing is is that she looks. I mean, I mean, if you here's the thing. You know, um, do you remember like in in the Incredibles when we were talking about Universal Man? Uh, yes. You know, like you, so you, for those of you who do not know, in, in Disney Pixar, Universal Man was used to basically create like every single background character that basically was in The Incredibles, and also the uh, the head teacher, also the headmaster, in, or sorry, the, the principal in uh, you know Dash's class was also made with like you know a, a, a more re- refined version of Universal Man, effectively, because obviously he needs to be in the shot and things like that. I mean, I gotta be honest with you. I look at this character, and I just think, you know, it—it it looks like somebody who would have been basically spawned from Universal Man at Pixar. 
you know mm. it's just it's uh there's there's no like you know nothing that kind of like looks i look at this april o'neill and there's nothing that kind of like stands out from like you know who any other background character you know in any other animated movie you know, uh, I'm sorry to say that, but, uh, you know, for those who actually do like it, but uh, in my opinion, I think they really need, it, it seems to me that they're really going to we- have to work on her character from the looks of it. Because, like, uh, you know, her design, you know, is just, it, I'm sorry, it's just not for me, you know. I mean, that's, that's completely fair. Um, now, like we said before, that we don't know anything about you know, this April O'Neil, other than the quick teaser trailer that we were given at the Nickelodeon Kids' Choice Awards. And the only thing we saw from her was that, you know, she was just learning about the turtles, about the fact that they were mutated from the secret ooze that was leaked over, which, you know, is a major story in almost every single incarnation of turtles because that's where they originated from. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's all we know about her for now. So I think we need to know... I mean, again, we don't know what April O'Neil is going to... Actually, here's the thing is interesting conversation we should have. We actually didn't know if actually April O'Neil is actually going to be a reporter in this. Like, for all we know, she could just be like a science major, you know, like a science major or something. I mean, she hasn't always been a reporter in the incarnations of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. She was a teenager in the 2012 version, Mm -hmm. and she was, um, again, a teenager in the rise of TMNT, and also, I think in the 2003 version, she was more of a scientist. So, yeah, the whole reporter thing, I think, was more aligned with the 80s version. Exactly, yeah, that's what I'm saying. So maybe this is going to be different from, like, you know, other April O'Neil's that we've had in the past you know like, yeah i mean like to be f- to be fair i mean there's always been a difference in every single april o'neill that we've seen so to be fair i mean april hasn't always been like you know consistent i mean even in the original comics um april wasn't like the same that we saw in every incarnation if you remember seeing the 80s version of April. I mean, a lot of people are more familiar with her because yeah, this is the thing. When you see when you talk about April O'Neil, I guarantee you the vast majority of TMNT fans are going to be looking at you know the April O'Neil from the nineteen eighties version, not the ones that we've had recently, because she's the and one not who from the com- and not from the comics either, because she looks completely different from that one too. Exactly. Yeah. So unfortunately, like you know the uh, the the animated version in the nineteen eighties, unfortunately, that's the April O'Neil that people seem to gravitate towards for obvious reasons, but. But, uh, I mean, yeah, so that's the reason why I think there's been such a backlash, I think, against this April O'Neil, because, you know, they were expecting something really different, and then this is what they got, you know, so... Like, yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, first of all, I don't think the hate is justified. I, I oh, think no, I'm, that I'm not saying it is, just... but I'm just saying that this is this is the reaction that they got, because they're expecting something different from, like, all the other April O'Neils that they've had before, and unfortunately, that this type of different is, unfor- you know, it's, for them, is disappointing. And um, yeah, which uh, you yeah, know, here's the thing. I I don't agree with it. Like uh, I would rather I've, again. I've not made. I've not seen enough April O'Neil in this version to like make an overall opinion of what I think of this April O'Neil. Velma's a different story. But I mean, in regards to you know the in right now, we've only seen like a bit of her. We don't actually know, know too much about her character, what her background is, things like that. You know, like l- let's put some meat on the bone, people. Like you know, like uh, let, let's just see where this is gonna go, and uh, let's just like uh, see what the overall product ends up being. You know, with uh, yeah. with, with April, and, and with and TMNT it's not in April general. that I've seen. Yeah, it's not April that I've seen this backlash. Every single time they bring in a new interpretation of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, there's always been a complaint. You know, people are saying like, "Oh." 
it's nothing like this version. It's nothing like this version. Oh, they completely changed it. Wow, they sound different. Wow, the animation's different. You know, all that kind of stuff. I mean, this is not too much of a surprise. Every single time they've always done a new interpretation of Turtles, people always complain about this. So. And by the way, I, I just want to say off by saying this, like, you know, if uh, you're complaining about April O'Neil is that in the future you're not going to be able to draw Rule 34 fan, fan arts of her, like, the spawn has like a spe special sphere in hell for you. Okay. <laughs> so. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, <laughs> there you go, I guess. But yeah, I, I think that l we should just wait until we find out more information about this incarnation right before people go on a frenzy. So yeah, let's just. Let's just give it a few months until we find out more information. Yeah, but I mean, like, uh, besides that, I mean, like, this uh, version of TMNT still has people excited for, for it, so, and including me Yeah, as well. yeah, of course. Yeah. So, let's, let's wait and see. Let's go for it. You know? Yeah, let's go for it. Yeah. All right, so enough with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Let's go over to Cartoon Network. So uh, Cartoon Network recently announced that they're going to be doing a Super Toon Showdown around March 14th. Well, they'll be uh, voting for the best Cartoon Network shows based off of different categories. So, yeah, this will be really interesting because usually when it comes to uh, people's opinions on various TV shows, I mean, they do have, um, you know, a lot of opinions on it, which whether it be, you know, for some people, they prefer the more comedic side of Cartoon Network or they prefer the more action side of Cartoon Network or they even prefer the more slice of life version of Cartoon Network. So, yeah, I'm actually really curious to see where the votes are going to be going. Um, well, here's the thing, like, you know, this list, I mean, is quite interesting. I mean, shall we go like through through them all and think who's going to win the first round? And All right, take. then. Yeah, let's do that. So okay. there are four different categories. Adventure, comedy, superheroes, and slice of life. Well, let's, let's go to adventure first. Yeah, so um, first event, first round, well, the first game in this in the Super Tune Showdown is going to be Adventure Time versus Flapjack. I think Adventure Time is going to win this. Yeah, I, I, now here's the thing. We wouldn't have Adventure Time without Flapjack. Now, for those who don't know, The Marvelous Misadventures of Flapjack was created around the late 2000s, and a lot of people who worked on Flapjack would eventually be spun off into Adventure Time, regular show, and various other um, bits of Cartoon Network um, animated shows that became pretty popular around the 2010s. So, I mean, we wouldn't have what we have today without Flapjack. So, But at the same time, Time, a lot of people love Adventure Time because of its story and of its characters and of its unique world. Adventure Time is definitely much more of a universal show compared to Flapjack, where it definitely leans more towards a bit of the weird and kind of random and gruesomeness that um, I get the feeling. a lot of people hey, I, are... I'm, I'm, I'm saying something very controversial here, but I think Flapjack was created to compete with SpongeBob. Like, uh, that, that's, just, that's just my feeling towards it. Yeah. I mean, I I mean, I personally don't know if that was, but I wouldn't be surprised because there were a lot of shows that were trying to compete with SpongeBob around the 2000s. I mean, l let's not forget about Coconut Fred when that came out on Kids WB. That was definitely trying to keep uh, catch up on SpongeBob. Yeah. Okay. Um, the next round in this is the Adventures of Billy, and the Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy, and Code Kids Next Door. This is going to be a tough one. That's a tough one because they're two completely different shows, but they're good for different reasons. Like, Billy and Mandy is more of a dark comedy, while Kids Next Door was more of 
the action slash adventure side where you have the five kids taking down the adults. So that's tough. I mean, I, I think if you lean more towards one or the other, um, I wouldn't see any issues with it. Now, if in terms of like how the story was, I mean, you know, Codename Kids Next Door has... I would say like a more definitive story where they were able to wrap everything up. I mean, sure, Billy and Mandy was the same thing, but I think that Kids Next Door was tightly um, uh, concise. I mean, Billy and Mandy definitely went into a completely different direction, starting off with comedy and then going more into the serious side. So again, I can see either or winning. I mean, I would probably, if I had to choose between one or the other, I mean, that's, oh man. I mean, yeah, I, mean like, I would say this is a semi-final. Not a, you know, not, not a, it's just so unfair that this is put in the first round, to be honest with you. Like, yeah. You know, I, it, I, could say, I could see this being the semi-final tough. of Adventure. Good grief. Um, if, I, if, if I had a gun put to my head and I had to pick one, I would go with Billy and Mandy. You know, like uh, that was that oh, was huge man. back in the time. And don't get me wrong, kid. kid, kid you know, here's the thing, you know, uh, Billy and Mandy actually cro crossed over with Cody's kid next door. Keep him. They did, yeah, yes. yeah. Like, how can you pick between them? Like, you know, unless you like, you know, put in a, like a very, you know, a life-threatening situation. Seriously, but if I had to go with one, I'd probably have to go with Billy and Mandy, probably. Mm, uh, yeah, I, I mean, if I had to choose between the two, I mean, I, I mean, Billy and Mandy definitely speaks more towards me as well. I mean, Kids Next Door is fun as well, uh, is a fun show. Don't get me wrong. If I was younger, I probably would have chosen that one, but I think I would have chosen Billy and Mandy. As I think well, Billy so and Mandy has better. I think one. Billy and Mandy had better villains. In my opinion, uh, yeah, yeah, they had really great villains. I mean, not to say that Kids Next Door didn't have good villains either. Like, oh, come on, the, 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 the Toilinator, seriously, like you know, like, uh, <laughs> and you know, uh, fa Father effectively was just basically just you know, um, uh, oh, what's it? You know, he's gone right in my head. He was basically like the uh, Doctor Claw from Inspector Gadget, effectively. Like you know, it's just it's um, I, I don't know. I I feel like the I feel like the Kids Next Door villains are either kind of like not as great and are probably borrowed from like other shows, whereas Billy and Mandy, I think you. Know, it had no problem finding villains because the whole fair thing felt evil anyway. You know. Yeah, so. I mean, you had the boogeyman, you had Hera, you had a lot of like, you know, darker takes on villains. You had Nurgle. Um, I, I guess you know, sure, if you want to put it into that direction. Yeah. All right then. So the next one is Scooby Doo versus Infinity Train. Oh, ho, ho, ho. Um, again, this could be a semi-final in the adventure category if it if it was that. Um, I guess I think the fans I. I could probably see the fans dogpiling on Infinity Train just to get them over Scooby-Doo, but at the same time, Scooby-Doo has a lot of fans. I could see them going for it as well. That's going to be a yeah. tussle. This yeah. is going to be really tough. I mean, Scooby-Doo has been around since 1969. It has multiple incarnations, multiple movies, whereas Infinity Train only has four seasons, and it's been around for, like, several years. I mean, how do you top like decades worth of stuff but then again well i mean keep this in mind infinity train is one big good big show scooby-doo has had like you know various you know they've had like um, you know the 13 goes of scooby-doo which you know disrupted back to vincent price it's, it's the weaker version of the scooby-doo shows uh, effectively, and then they had like, then they had the whole thing where like, you know, uh, uh, Hanna Barbera had a problem with like the unions. I think at that point, and then like they lost uh, Fred and you know Daphne's voice actors actresses because of that, and so they ended up yeah, like, and, and then they went off and did like the new Scooby Doo show, yeah, and they had like. Uh, various other incarnations around the eighties. Uh, by the way, when when, when that, that came, when that happened in Cartoon Network, is around they used to put you know they used to do the thing where during the breaks they would like put in like the five minute like cartoon shows, like you know just to kind of like hold people over while you know because there wasn't enough like 
time to like fill in the breaks. So they just put in like you know a five minute Scooby Doo. So, so that that's ended up being the fate of the new Scooby Doo show. Effectively, it ended up being kind of like just filler for Cartoon Network to like fill in you know advertising space they couldn't fill. You know, which is kind of sad when you really think about it. It is pretty but, sad, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, if we had to base it, like, as an average, like, across Scooby-Doo and across Infinity Train, I think we'd say Infinity Train was probably, like, the better show. But I think if, if we had to, convoke, if we uh, take away all of Scooby-Doo's negativity and only focused on the good stuff, I think probably Scooby-Doo would probably take it. You know, it's, yeah. It's now hard. here's the thing. It's I hard. mean, they didn't, they didn't say which Scooby-Doo animated series it's just scooby-doo just put down scooby -Doo. <laughs> yeah like which one yeah. -Doo, where are you the scooby-doo movies a pup named scooby-doo scooby-doo incorporated which one <laughs> just scooby-doo like yeah just scooby-doo live yeah. action movies like come on guys yeah, yeah. are we gonna put the movies in there too or we're gonna put in zombie island or we're gonna put in witches ghost or we're gonna put in scooby goes hollywood <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that's a series. I would say Infinity Train. I would probably say Infinity Train too, but uh, I get the feeling Scooby Doo is probably going to win it. Maybe. Yeah. And, and the Infinity Train fans are just going to be more infuriated than they are <laughs> than, they, than they were before when they show <laughs> when the show got uh, dumped for tax purposes. But All right, uh, then. by the way, I mean, I'm really surprised Cartoon Network was even allowed to mention this. Quite frankly, like, uh, or is mm. is this an official Cartoon Network thing, or is this something that uh, is just being done? Like, no, no, no. This is this is Cartoon Network. All right then. Well, I mean, I'm really surprised there are lots of mention it, given the fact that they dumped it off for tax purposes. But that's just me. Uh, yeah. Right. Um, so the next one is uh, Steven Universe versus Over the Garden Wall. As much as people love Over the Garden Wall, do you see it beating Steven Universe? I don't. Okay. Think that's, so. This is this is really tough because here's the thing. Over the Garden Wall is a mini series. It only lasted for like eight episodes, whereas Steven Universe has had six seasons, a movie, and Steven Universe Future, which was a continuation of the movie. So Steven Universe had a massive fan base once upon a time. Everybody was really excited about what was going to happen in the next episode. A lot of people were doing a bunch of theories. Like, it was massive, if you can believe it. Here's the thing about this. Like, you know, I would definitely I think Over the Garden Wall would go over Flapjack, you know, if, if it was in a different world. I mean, I've got to be honest, the adventure category is very tough. To be quite honest with you, like you know, it is I mean, you know what? That's a, that's a good thing because usually, whenever that we look at these categories, we're like, really, that's going up against this show. It's at least they di they divided it into categories well, as opposed yeah, the, to like the way, the way that you do these types of bracketing, like the verses, like you know, you obviously you put like the good shows against the crappy shows, and then you expect them to go into the next round. That's I mean, to be fair, I mean like uh, that's going to be how the that, Champions that, that's League. Pretty easy and boring. Well, though. I mean that's how the Champions League is done here in the here in the Europe. Like you know, all the crappy uh, you know Eastern European teams go up against the you know, the, the the European super juggernauts, and eventually they get they get the shit kicked out of them, and then they go into the next round. You know, like uh, we do it here in Europe. And we are football teams. <laughs> so, like, you know, it was a surprise me that we do this with cartoon shows, but we're not doing it this time. Like, you know, there's actually some really good shows going up against each other in the first round. So, yeah, like, and that's yeah. very interesting. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, but if I had to choose between the two, I mean, I don't know. Steven Universe will probably. Steven Trump Universe is going to. Yeah. They, they fed. <laughs> this is the thing that's going to make so fun. So, I'm like, you fed over the garden wall to Steven Universe. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's gonna be right. Let, anyway, that's it for the adventure side. Let's go to comedy. Uh, the the next one is Ed, Ed, and Eddie versus Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends. Um, I could see, oh, I could see Foster's taking this one because they've they've been talked about a lot recently, you know. And also, they're coming yeah. back. Well, so, no, Powerpuff Girls is coming back. Oh no, no, they, Foster's coming back. They're doing a pre, they're doing a preschool series. 
Oh, that's right. I yeah. forgot about that. Yeah, so that's been that, that's been in people's consciousness recently. So I can, and also Ed, Ed and Eddie has not really like you know it gets mentioned like once or twice, but not like enough to like you know. I have not seen Ed and Eddie. I've seen I Ed, Ed, Ed seen and Eddie. Foster. Yeah, I mean like uh, yeah, the, Ed, Ed and Eddie is a pretty crazy show, and uh, I mean there's been a lot of like you know uh, um, actually they did a comic series, uh, some fans you know like you know what they would be like as adults, and uh, that was quite interesting when I was watching that. But okay, uh, that's cool. Yeah, but I mean like I don't. Think that's going to be you know fan projects isn't going to be enough to say that you know fosters yeah i think fosters is going to take this i think so yeah i i would say fosters yeah all right next one is the amazing world of gumball versus regular show now this is really interesting because regular show plays this off off as a um more of a series for adults because originally that was supposed to be that way it was supposed to be an animated series for adults but then they toned it down to more or less focus on like the older kids slash teenager demographic while gumball is like more geared towards kids it's like really really crazy with different animation styles so yeah generational warfare (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Now, um, Gumball is planning on having a movie. Regular show is already finished. Yeah, and uh, um, I can see Gumball winning it. Maybe. I. I mean, I really enjoyed regular show. I like but... regular show. Don't get me wrong, but uh, I, I mean, seeing that like a lot of people really, you know like Gumball, I'm like, uh, I'm really surprised that that would, um, you know, I don't know. It, it is a tough one again. I would like regular yeah, show is, to this... win, but I don't think it's gonna happen. I want regular show to win this one, but yeah. I can see Gumball winning this one. Uh huh. Next one is Cow and Chicken versus Total Drama Island. Oh, I hate this one because I know Total Drama Island's gonna win. Uh, like I, I like want Cow and Chicken, Chicken to, to win, win this yeah. one because I am not a fan of Total Drama Island. Neither am I, but uh, you know, let's let's face it. There's a lot of people here who do like Total Drama Island. There's a lot of Canadian fans for it too. So that's like, true. Just, yeah. There are a lot of Canadian fans for Total Drama Island. And here's the thing. It's still going. I know. As, uh, and Cow and Chicken hasn't been going on for decades. Well, you, you, they couldn't do Cow and Chicken today. Don't you know? Like, <laughs> not really not. Can you imagine the Can you imagine the no smoking pilot ever making it through Cartoon Network today? Could you? Absolutely not. No, and like you know, uh, you you would have to do a lot. I mean, I don't even think you can even use the red guy in that, and he's in the majority nope. of the episodes. Like, you yeah, know. that's true. I mean, Charlie Adler definitely had his work cut out for him when he did that series. Yeah, but uh, keep in mind, also the infamous Buffalo Gals episodes that rubbed le- lesbians the wrong way. Oh yes, yep. Oh boy, I want I want Cow and Chicken to win this one, but I know Total Drama Island is going to win this win. one. Yeah, just, what a shame. Oh, wow. All right, next one is Courage the Cowardly Dog versus Dexter's Laboratory. I think Courage is going to win this one. I want Dexter to win this one. Well, because, we, were, yeah, I mean, we, we, we talked about this last week where, you know, people were asking the question, is Dexter's Lab a good show? And we looked back and people were saying it is a good show, but only the first two seasons are. Yeah, exactly. But uh, Courage the Cowardly Dog has been a good show for out. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's and been also, a they came back recently consistent. on that. Keep in mind, they've been they came back recently with that Scooby Doo, uh, you know, tie in as well. That's right, they did. Yes. Yeah. So I mean, I could see Courage the Cowardly Dog winning it. I think I have not seen Courage outside of the pilots that showed up on What a Cartoon with the Chicken from Outer Space, but I've been wanting to see the show, but. I, 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 but at the same time, I can see it winning because it, it became more relevant recently. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, a lot of people were inspired by Dexter's Lab. But, I mean, I, I, again, I could see Courage winning this one. Yeah. 
All right, now we go over to the superheroes category. We start off with Teen Titans versus Young Justice. This is a tough one. Um, yeah, this is a tough one, actually. I mean, I can guarantee you, maybe all the kids will like think, oh, Teen Titans, go inside with Teen Titans. That's one thing I think that probably might happen. Yeah, so. but this is the original Teen Titans. I know, Teen Titans but you know, like, these are kids we're talking about, babe. You know, like uh, they'll, they'll, you know, they'll see Teen Titans go, oh, Teen Titans go, and then fit Teen Titans. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I could probably see Teen Titans going over Young Justice. Oh, man. I mean, both of them are excellent. Both of them have excellent storylines, excellent characters. Um, J Young Justice is definitely like leaning more towards the, um, you know, darker side because it does get, um, you know, progressively more serious over time. Teen Titans, it had that mixture between comedy and with uh, the serious side. I mean, especially since it was around during when anime became really, really, really popular in the mainstream. Um, but unfortunately, both of them have cliffhanger endings. Um, you know, Teen Titans was originally supposed to have a movie focusing on the Judas contract, but it never happened. And then we had the infamous ending where um, Beast Boy reunites with Terra and she doesn't remember him. And then Young Justice left it off on a cliffhanger, too, because of the whole HBO Max uh, debacle. And then, you know, they were not picked up for another series afterwards. So, yeah, I mean, they had their own issues when it came to studio mandates, which sucks. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised surprise if Teen Titans win this one, but to be quite honest, I hope Young Justice wins this one. Mm -hmm. All right, next one is OKKO OK versus Mau Mau. Um, OKKO okay, hmm, This is interesting. Okay. Yeah, I, okay, I okay, can see OKKO OK winning this one because, I mean, it does have a lighter take on the sidekick and wanting to be, um, you know, a superhero. And it has a lot of the relatable characters. It has, like, really great crossover episodes. So I can see a lot of people leaning more towards that one. Yeah, I mean, I've not seen the other show, so I might be, you know, I'm also I'm not here being talked about really on this one. What's this one? The, wait, Mamo Heroes of Pure Heart? Mm-hmm, yeah. No, yeah, I've, I've not heard of this show. Okay. All right, so next one is Justice League versus Generator Rex. Uh, Justice League for me. Yeah, Justice League, yeah. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong, Generator Rex is a good show from what I've heard from, pe from people, but, uh, you know, young, yeah. young yeah, ju anyway, it's Justice League. Come on. Like, you know, like, yeah, like and also you have Justice League Unlimited, which was, you know, even better than, I would say, Justice League. My, my, my favorite and, episode uh, in Justice League Unlimited was probably, like, probably, like, the first one when they brought in Batman Beyond. Like, you know, when, oh, uh, that was, uh, so that was such, good, a, yeah. such a great episode. Like, you know, it, yeah. it, it, it made, uh, you know, uh, when, you know, uh, McGinnis was uh, really struggling to, like, you know, uh, to cope with the idea that, you know, uh, Bruce is, like, his, uh, you know, his biological father and, like, you know, he was cloned and stuff. Like, you know, he, he was messing with his head. And, uh, you know, the way that it all came together and the fact that he, you know, he may not be, you know, you know he may not be, like, of his you know, be the Batman that, you know, Bruce was. He could still be a bat Batman in his own right. And everything exactly. like, like you know, it's such a great, it's such a great episode. Yeah, I mean, Justice League has so many fantastic episodes. Their Christmas episode is fantastic, and they had such great two-parters that was really intriguing for you to find out what was going to happen next. And Unlimited was fantastic, and it was a great continuation from Justice League. Whereas Generator Rex, unfortunately, it only lasted for one season, and um, because of toy sales, it was canceled. And I think it was even a tax write-off. So, yeah, yeah, I think that uh, Justice League is going to be the one that trumps this one. Mm-hmm. 
All right, next one we have Powerpuff Girls versus Ben 10. Oh, good grief. They're so rough, these first rounds, aren't they? Oh, good grief. How, you, how can you pick between Powerpuff Girls and Ben 10? Yeah, yeah. And, and these are the originals, by the way, not their reboots. Oh, yeah. And, well, I mean, obviously you and I would pick the Powerpuff Girls, but good grief, like, Ben 10's a phenomenon. You know, like, yeah, uh, yeah, it's true. I mean, sure, we had the Powerpuff Girls with the movie and with the 2016 version, but then you have Ben 10 with five different incarnations we have ben 10 ultimate alien and omniverse and then the reboot so yeah, I, mean, ben I, 10 I, has I kid been you around. not before toys r us hit the wall there you know there was an entire section in in uh, where i lived with, with toys r us that was dedicated to ben 10 like you know it's just it's a uh, you know the, the the i would say that ben 10 toys probably rivaled cars I think probably that, like, you know, it's, it's, it's such a huge thing, and uh, to put it up against the Powerpuff Girls, you know, um, you can, you know, um, you know as, as you and I grew up with Cartoon Network, I think you and I obviously would say the Powerpuff Girls, because that's what we grew yes. up with, but we did not grow up with Ben 10. You know, no, that came we on were, a late later we were on. in high school when Ben 10 came Exactly, out. yeah. So, I mean, um, I guess this will be a question for, like, like, this is going to be like, you know, the 90s versus the 2000s, effectively. Like, you know, it's, uh, it's the people who grew up with Ben 10 versus the people who grew up with the Powerpuff Girls. Who's going to win out? Yeah. yeah. I, I would say, I mean, I've been familiar with the Powerpuff Girls ever since What a Cartoon had them with the um, the episode where they were uh, fighting off against um, Fuzzy Lumpkins and the Amoeba Gang. So I have followed them for decades. And I, I mean, I always watched the original Powerpuff Girls all the time when I was in my preteens. And then when the movie came out when I was in high school, I watched that. But yeah, I mean, like... Do you know what's hilarious, though? There's going to be that one kid who's going to be like, what, that show that came out in 2016? That sucked! (laughs) 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 Fair enough, fair enough. Anyway, but I'm choosing Powerpuff Girls for this one. Yeah. All right, final category, the slice of life category. We have Chowder versus Camp Laszlo. Um, the, I mean, we they kind of, we kind of missed out on this era, really. You know, between Chowder and Camp Laszlo. Well, so. I've seen Chowder because um, I remember when uh, people were like, d- yeah, like, they were like dumping all over this show because they thought it was like really weird. And also, you know, it, you know, it's a show about cooking, and I always, and I, I like shows about that. I mean, I was, I'm also a huge fan of Food Wars. Anyway, so I remember watching this show, and it was like really weird, but at the same time, it was hilarious, and it was able to have like all of these like really crazy moments involving with stop motion and puppets and live action segments it was almost like the gumball of its time and created by ch greenblatt who you know uh, for those who don't know you know he was a major storyboard artist and writer on spongebob and then eventually he became fred fred Berger and billy and mandy and then um you know he went off and he created his own shows uh, i think that um you know, we have that category, um, you know, with, uh, you know, going into a different direction. And then finally, you have Camp Laszlo, which was created by Joe Murray, the creator of Rocco's Modern Life. And um, yeah, I would say um, Camp Laszlo, I have seen like several episodes of the show. It's fine. It's definitely not as funny as Rocco. 
Um, I mean, especially not. Uh, I, I don't think he even had the, like the same consistency as like early SpongeBob. So well, I would you remember say also that- just to just to uh, on the final episode of the show, they had to bring back Heifer just to kind of like you know. I mean, obviously they didn't write me, they didn't reference him as well. Heifer, they didn't but- reference exactly, Heifer, but you no. know it was Heifer. Well, Come on. It was was Heifer. The reason why they couldn't use Heifer was because it was a Nickelodeon-owned character, and so Joe Murray had to work around the the character design, making it look like Heifer if he was shaven and if uh, he was, like, beaten down. But, yeah, the the ending of Camp Laszlo is, like, one of the most what-the-hell-just-happened moments where it turned out that the camp counselor, Scoutmaster Lumpus, is not Scoutmaster Lumpus. He was just a guy who escaped from an asylum pretending to be Scoutmaster Lumpus. And then the guy who looks like Heifer, he was the real Scoutmaster Lumpus. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of... Well, it was, it was it was really out of left field, but and I guarantee they probably just put that in, just kind of like grab some eyeballs. And like, it was just, it was, uh, yeah, I mean, it was pretty, it, 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 like, it's, it, it just comes, it comes across as desperate, really. Like, again, I've not grown up with Child or Camp Laszlo, so, I mean, other people are going to tell me otherwise, but, I mean, like, when you, I, I only heard about that, that final episode because people were like, what? And started spreading it on social media, and then I, that's the reason why I came into my, uh, Camp Laszlo kind of came into my, like, you know, my focal point. Uh, that okay. like, you know, yeah, yeah the, the the ending of Chowder is actually a little bit more satisfying where we have Chowder and he's imagining himself what would he be like as an adult where he was the one who took over Mung Doll's kitchen he got married to Panini and they had like a bajillion kids together mm-hmm. so yeah that actually has much more of a satisfying ending than Camp Laszlo's like what the hell so I'm going to choose Chowder for this one yeah I none of the above yeah <laughs> 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 I can't make my mind up. Sorry, guys. Okay, next one is Craig of the Creek versus Clarence. This is really tough because both of these shows capture the essence of Slice of Life. This is probably like the closest of the categories of Slice of Life we're going to see throughout this one. Well, I mean, if you and I both had to vote, I think you and I would obviously pick Craig of the Creek, wouldn't we? So, uh, yep. yeah, yeah. I mean, here's the thing. I know that people... Okay. I know that there was a lot of controversy with Clarence when it first came out, especially with the creator. He was fired because of the sexual allegations and then they continued the show without him and then a lot of people were just put off with Clarence because they found him annoying they thought the animation style was a little bit ugly so a lot of people just kind of like threw it aside and it wasn't as praised compared to a lot of the shows that were out at the time such as Adventure Time and Regular Show so it was kind of like that odd you know uh, you know like it was kind of like that odd show that didn't really fit in with anything else and, and, and here's the thing Clarence came out at a time in which the slice of life genre was you know at the point of like no non-existence i mean you know we had arthur that was still continuing on but for the most part the slice of life genre had pretty much died out but you know kind of like thanks to this it was kind of like able to revitalize itself with we had the loud house and then craig of the creek came in a little bit later so it was able to get kind of a footing in so i guess from people they say clarence walked so craig of the creek could run but yeah, Craig of the Creek is a little bit more of a consistent show. It has like great characters. It has this side of adventure and imagination, great diversity. So I would say Craig of the Creek for this one. Okay. All right. Next one we have I Am Weasel versus My Gym Partners a Monkey. Who did this uh, one? Um. Okay. I think obviously they're feeding I, My Gym Partners a Monkey to I Am Weasel from the looks of it. I can see I Am Weasel just taking this. 
So, uh, yeah. <sighs> okay, first of all, I Am Weasel is a spinoff series to Cow and Chicken. And My Gym Partner's a Monkey is about a boy who is registered into an elementary school filled with animals because Lion is his last name. Well, do you remember, like, with My Gym Partner's a Monkey, they struggled with international distribution because of, like, the content that was in it. You know, like, uh, it, was, uh, it, was, uh, it was about, you know, uh, let's be honest, I mean, that's what the show was about. But then, obviously, they put in a, mon- you know, they put in a character who basically made mo- loads of jokes about his butt. Which you know, like yes. you know, which you know, a lot of you know this this struggle to get off the ground, you know. And uh, I know. hate I hate this show so much. Like, I thought it was stupid. I thought it was annoying. I I never liked it. It's probably one of my least Cartoon Network shows of all time. Yeah, I'm just trying to look at it because like your country of origin, United States of America. From what I remember, they they really struggled to basically get this uh, you know out of the, out of the United States. I think yeah, maybe I might be wrong about this, but I think it only aired in the United States. I don't think it aired hmm. anywhere else. Like, uh, mm. I might be wrong about anyway, that. Anyway, but, but yeah, I mean, I am Weasel. I mean, can we consider it, like, slice of life? Um, uh, well, I mean, I'd have to look back at it again. I mean, there were some, like, you know, uh, you know, story. I mean, obviously, like, you know, imagine all cartoons do it nowadays. But, you know, there's obviously, like, there's a moral story, like, you know, it's every I am Weasel episode. Uh, effectively, okay. but and then then eventually, you know, as the show started to get more stale, there was the uh, they they kind of get off the rails. Like you know, uh, one moral of an, of an episode was like you know, uh, baboons and weasels shouldn't get married. It's like all right then, it's uh, which yeah. yeah. Anyway, yeah, I, I'm gonna say just on a technicality, I'll I mean I'm gonna choose I am Weasel just because I hate my gym partners and monkeys that much. Yeah, I'm just having a anyway. look. So just to clarify, with uh, with my gym partners and monkey, so um, it did air in Latin America on Tooncast, uh, and also it did get, it did somehow end up in Ukraine, uh, aired on that TV show, and also the show did run in India as well. But so besides that, okay. I don't think any other country took this show. I might be wrong about that, but I don't think they did. You so. were the lucky ones, by the way. Oh yeah, never the, took this show. we never got this show. Remember when uh, they were doing like you know the cro- the crossover? Jo- I can't remember what, what show it was, but uh, they did like uh, a bunch of uh, jokes about crossovers, and uh, one of them was like Imagine Partners and Mandark. And it was like no one really understood what that joke was, and because we never oh, saw, oh yeah, that's right, because we never saw. I mean, besides, you know, me and uh, by the way, back in '96, um, I did actually go over to the United States. So I mean, we did see this show while watching Cartoon Network, and uh, we, you know, uh, so it was something that I was aware of because we did happen to be in the United States at the time it was airing. But besides that, I mean, we never saw it in the UK, and uh, we, you know, the only reason we got that joke is because obviously we'd seen it in in America, you know, a couple of years prior. You know, Mm -hmm. so besides that, no one else would have got that joke. So, yeah. All right, final one: Summer Camp Island versus We Bear Bears. Um, I've heard more about We Bear Bears, and so maybe that might be the winner. I've not really heard anything about Summer Camp Island, so I wouldn't be able to tell you. Uh, From what I understand about Summer Camp Island, it's about a you know group of kids who are in a summer camp, and it's about their adventures together. Uh, as for Weird Bear Bears, it's about three brothers who are bears. Uh, one is a grizzly bear, one is a panda bear, the other one is a polar bear. And it's about, you know, their adventures together. So, I mean, it is categorized as Slice of Life. I can definitely see that because it's about their adventures. And, I mean, usually Slice of Life are character-driven, not story-driven. Yeah. So, so I mean, like, uh, I'm really surprised by some of the entries in this in this list, to be honest with you. Yeah, Cartoon Network is not really known for slice of life compared to like Nickelodeon or Disney Channel. Yeah, so, uh, but so here's the thing about this like, uh, you know, as an overall in the Super Soon Showdown, I wouldn't put Adventure up against Comedy, and I wouldn't put Superheroes up against Slice of Life. 
You know, like, uh, I mean, I guarantee you, what, I think whoever's going to come out of superheroes and slice of life, I can see superheroes winning. And uh, so, and also with adventure and comedy, like, uh, whoever comes out of adventure, whoever's going to come out of comedy, I, can, I can't see them beating anything out of adventure. You mm. know? I might, I might be wrong on that, but uh, I don't know. Like, I mean, if we had to pick out of all those uh, categories, if we had to pick who the semi-finalists were going to be, so out of adventure, comedy, superheroes, and slice of life, who do we think is going to come out of it? Do we think? Um. Okay. I, if I were uh, now, I think Cartoon Network is more comedy, but I can definitely see them leaning more toward the adventure side. Yeah. Exactly. So I mean, but out of the categories, like, uh, who do we think is going to win out of adventure? Um, okay, so let's see. If, um, if Adventure Time won over Flapjack, and then if, um, Billy and Mandy won over Kids Next Door, they will be going up against each other, and I would choose Adventure Time. Yeah. If Scooby-Doo and Infinity Train were to go up against each other, and let's just say Infinity Train won, and then Steven Universe over the Garden Wall, Steven Universe will definitely win that one. So... Um, it will probably be a, a, a toss-up between Adventure Time versus Steven Universe, and that, that is the biggest debate of all time. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go on a limb. I'm gonna go on a limb here and say Steven Universe is probably gonna win, and uh, then, um, then out of comedy, I mean, who are we gonna say is gonna win out of that? Um, um, I probably wouldn't be surprised if either um fosters or gumball will probably be in the final round um i think courage could potentially win it okay i'm gonna go with courage so yeah so we might end up with the scene of the universe scene of the universe is a courage the cowardly doll which will probably be a big a big big you know uh fight over that um so superheroes and slice of life who do you think is going to come out on superheroes do we think yeah let's see probably a tie between teen titans or powerpuff girls really hmm. yeah um i'm gonna go with teen titans I say they're gonna win it, and I think they'll go up against Justice League. I think. Yeah. And, okay. And, and slice um, of life. As for slice of life. Um. Hmm. Ooh, I mean, I would. Uh, I'm gonna say Craig of the Creek. Yeah, me too. Just because it is slice of life. You know. Okay, so that means that Powerpuff Girls will probably be going up against our Teen Titans will be going up against um, Craig of the Creek, and um, yeah, probably Teen Titans or Powerpuff the Girls, girls will win this win one. It. Yeah, exactly. So that means that if we are going to go into the final final round, it'll probably be Steven Universe versus either Teen Titans or Powerpuff Girls. Hmm. Yeah, I still think Teen. I mean, again, I think Teen Titans could potentially win this. I think they're the favorites. I think. Okay, just because people were confused when Teen Titans go. Uh, and, uh, yeah, yeah, and I and I think that Steven Universe will probably win this whole thing. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. But yeah, the voting will start off on March 14th. So yeah, we'll be talking about this in the next episode of Aaron and Patricia. So stay tuned. Who would have thought we would have got lots of, lots of discussion out of this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're not even like halfway finished. The show. Yeah, exactly. We're an hour and eight minutes now. Like. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. All right, let's move on to the next one. So, um, we talked about this in Aaron and Patricia years ago, if you can believe it, but Bedrock, which was the spin-off series created and executive produced oh, hang by on a second, babe. Um, before we get into the Flintstones, I believe there's a certain smashing that we should be doing. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so <laughs> Super Smash Brothers Brawl is going to be celebrating its 15th anniversary today. So, yeah, I'm actually curious about what your thoughts of this are because... 
I know a lot of people, they were huge fans of this one, but then there's some people who were not. Well, I mean, it was used for tournaments. So, like, you know, it was uh, it was there in people's, uh, you know, uh, you know um, consciousness and that. And, uh, I mean, he gave us Wolf O'Donnell as a, as a character, and people, people fell in love with him. So, obviously, that gave you know, Star Fox another, you know, shot in the arm uh, in regards to, uh, you know, that. And uh, also, Yeah, I a think- lot of characters were introduced in, in Super Smash Brothers Brawl. You have Wolf, you have Sonic... Solid Snake. Oh yeah, Snake hit. was in this game. Yeah. Also, there was the story mode as well, if you remember. That's right. Solid. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, that the was embassy, great. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, you know, it was, uh, it was, it was the 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 big Smash Brothers at the time until Smash Brothers Ultimate came along, effectively. Yeah. And then obviously that became that, now that now that is the big Smash Brothers game, uh, effectively. But uh, I guarantee you, you talk to a lot of uh, Smash Brothers fans, there will there will be a lot of fondness towards Smash Brothers Brawl. In my, in my yeah, I, I mean, I know, uh, you know, for somebody who had played in tournament um, around the late 2000s, uh, I know a lot of people had their complaints about Brawl because of the the tripping that a lot of the characters were. A lot of people felt that the controls were a little bit floatier compared to Melee. But here's the thing, like, you know, Brawl was supposed to be more of a, you know, kind of like a universal party game, kind of like, you know, to lure people in while as you know, for Melee, it was kind of, like, accidental that it became, like, a, a major tournament contender. Yeah, the, the thing but, with, uh, the thing with the Brawl, I mean, the thing with, this is the Wii in a nutshell. Like, you know, it was made for a general audience, and so, I mean, people complaining that, you know, the, the controls were a bit floaty and uh, a bit more, like, you know, simplistic than, you know, what you have with uh, Melee. Keep this in mind. The idea of the Wii that Nintendo had at the time was to create a huge, new generation of gamers, which was a smart exactly. thing to do, because then when the Switch came along, it was like, oh, wow, we've got a, a whole bunch of people now that were really into Nintendo and will easily buy the Switch, you know? So, like, you know, it was... Uh, so, unfortunately, the, uh, the, the, the the unfortunate payoff, you know, uh, well, the, the unfortunate, uh, you know, um, side effect of this whole, you know, saga that Nintendo went on, which was important to them, uh, was that Super Smash Bros. Brawl had to somewhat suffer in the controller department, you know, for people to understand it. So. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm sure for the hardcore tournament fans, they were very disappointed with Brawl, but for everybody else, they loved it. I mean, for a lot of people, this was like their first Super Smash Brothers game. Exactly. Yeah. So I mean, you're, this is the thing. I I say to a lot of people because of that, there will be a lot of fondness towards Brawl, and because it introduced them to that, and then came Ultimate came around, and you know, everyone loved it. You know, after that, so like, uh, you know, Brawl was a necessary, you know, addition to the Smash Brothers, you know, uh, saga, pretty much. Yeah, and like we mentioned before, there were a lot of brand new characters that were included in there. We mentioned Pit, Solid Snake, Wolf, Toon Link, Diddy Kong, uh, Ike, you know, Captain Olimar. I mean, there were a lot of characters that were introduced. And then when Sonic was brought in, it was like everybody's minds were blown. Well, I mean, it it was coming, wasn't it? Because, like, uh, I mean, keep this in mind, like, when when Sega lost the console war, obviously then, you know, uh, Sega kind of, like, you know, uh, said, okay, well, let's make some Nintendo games. And uh, one of the first few things they did was uh, do uh, Mario and Sonic at the Olympics. And uh, yeah. they brought them together for that, and so, and then after that, basically, there was like you know the the 3D era of like you know Sonic the Hedgehog, and uh, whether you actually like that or dislike it or not, I think is going to be you know down to you. But uh, I mean, 
in regards to um, where Sonic was, I mean, Sonic was inevitable, I think, you know, in regards to that. And uh, it blew a lot of people's minds away because, you know, they didn't think, oh, yeah, well, uh, you know, Sega are going to, like, do this, that, and the other. But so they're not going to actually get involved in, like, you know, the in, in Nintendo, uh, you know, lines. But then, obviously, that came along and it was like, wow, that was incredible. And uh, so, I mean, everyone else saw it coming. I, I you know, everyone, sorry, I, I saw it coming, but everyone else didn't, which was really exciting for everybody else. But, uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, keep yeah, this in mind, like and- Brawl. I mean, there's one thing I also want to mention is that Brawl. You know, keep this in mind. Like, uh, you know, this uh, brought the you know the Smash Brothers genre into the attention of the general consensus, and uh, that's when we ended up so we like the clones, where we like you know ended up like all these other Brawl games. Pretty much. So, like, we had, like, the made-up ones that were like, made by, by Eastern European, like, you know, were crazes and stuff like that. And then, obviously, Nickelodeon got into All-Star Brawl as well, if you remember that game. And, yeah. uh, good grief, we've not talked about the game that game since, you know. Mm-mm. So, like, uh, it's, uh, I've not played it yet, uh, effectively. So, even though it has, hey, Arnold characters in it. But, um, yeah, so, like, uh, that's what, uh, that's what Brawl did, effectively. Like, it's, uh, um, it, it introduced you know a new generation of people to um, Smash Brothers, and then also it created all these clones as well, like other Smash Brothers games. So like it had more of an impact than people realize, I think. Yeah, it's true. I think that also another thing that blew people away was when the first teaser trailer came out and everybody was just like saying, wow, you know, here's like Mario, Link, Pikachu and Kirby and they have their new designs and, you know, here's that eclectic orchestrated music and they're fighting off against like all these different stages and then all these new characters are coming in. Oh, wow, you know, here comes um, Meta Knight. Oh, wow, here comes Zero Suit Samus. Oh, wow, here comes Wario. Here comes Solid Snake. I think that, um, you know, a lot of people, you know, they also tuned into the Super Smash Brothers website in both America and in Japan so that they can be able to find out who's going to be next, who's going to be the new character who's going to be included in there. Oh, wow, you know, here comes uh, Toon Link and here comes um, Sheik and here comes, um, you know, Pit. And, you know, a lot of people were like genuinely excited about this. And then eventually that would just spun off into, you know, the uh, Super Smash Brothers um, announcement videos that we would have today so you know super smash brothers brawl was kind of like the one that started it mm-hmm. all right so yeah happy 15th anniversary to super smash brothers brawl even though that you were polarized in the beginning you still have a soft spot in our hearts all right now we can talk about bedrock so yeah, this is something that we heard about years ago, and it was going to be created and executive produced by Elizabeth Banks, and now more information about it has been announced. So they're going to be doing a pilot over on Fox, and once again, very similar to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem, the only thing we know about it is the cast. So let's talk about who's going to be the cast on this show. So we have Steven Root as Fred, which that should be really interesting because I love Steven Root. I mean, I've seen him in Office Space, and I also really enjoy his voiceover work on shows such as King of the Hill. And recently we loved his uh, performance as the mayor in Amphibia. So him as Fred would be really, really interesting. Yeah. So um, I believe uh, this is going to be taking place, I guess, in the Bronze Age. 
I think is what they're saying. Yeah, you're right, because it's going to be taking place where Pebbles and Bam Bam are adults, which that hasn't happened in over 30 years. Usually whenever that we see Pebbles and Bam Bam, they're always in their baby form. But now we have them as adults, which we haven't seen since, you know, what was it, like uh, Holly Rockabye yeah, Baby? Yeah, Holly Rockabye Baby, yeah, like when, uh, you know, where, um, Pebbles are twins. So, um, yeah, it's just, it's, uh, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, it's interesting, well, keep in mind, like, you know, the renditions of uh, Pebbles and Bam Bam as adults has differed over time. You know, in the original one, they were, t you know, in the original Flintstones when they did, like, the whole, like, uh, you know, uh, future Pebbles and Bam Bam in that one episode uh, when Fred thought he'd, like, he got knocked into the future. Like, you know, he, um, they, they, he, they look very different from the ones that we ended up with, uh, which yeah. was, um, you know, were the ones that ended up in the, in the newer versions of the Flintstones. And uh, to be honest with you, like, I mean, some people look back and uh, not so much about, you know, uh, uh, you know, I Yabba Dabba Do and Holly Rockabye Baby, but, uh, you know, like, uh, I mean, I think they still have their fans, and uh, I enjoyed them for, for what, what mm -hmm. they were. So, yeah, uh, yeah. but, uh, you know, I'm interested to see what this this version of um, Pebbles and Bam are going to be in this. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. yeah. So um, the next cast, uh, we have uh, Amy Sedaris as Wilma, which that'll be really interesting because Amy Sedaris is a, a pretty well-known comedian. So I'm sure that she can be able to bring a, a side of Wilma that would be leaning more towards humorous as opposed to like, you know, like very... Um, you know, uh, are you cranky, kidding me? Would. You know, with Emmys uh, and Zeris, if I was directing, I would just say, "Look, look at Fred as like this oafish character that just makes a load of mistakes, and he's just so egotistical about it. Just, just ad lib all of that." <laughs> You know, <laughs> <laughs> great. She, she, yeah. yeah that, that is a, that is superb casting, in my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's that's fantastic. All right, so we have um, Nicole Byer is going to be Betty, uh, Joe Lou Trujillo uh, is going to be Barney, mm -hmm. and uh, Manny uh, Chazinko is going to be Bam Bam. Bam. Yeah, which, and yeah. then and then Elizabeth Bank is going to be Pebbles. Yeah. So um, according to the, according to the deadline, uh, a primetime animated comedy series uh, including the story of the Stone Age family, uh, Bedrock catches up on the Flintstone family two decades later. So effectively, this is going to be like you know Flintstones version of. Well, I don't really want to say that because I know it's going to make a few. I, I tweeted that out just before that you know King of the Hills already already doing this. That you know that they're already going to do like you know King of the Hill like you know pretty much today and now here's the Flintstones and they're doing that now. So like it's just it's. Uh, well, no, I mean that was like, that was rumored though. I mean we don't know if that's the direction that um, it is going to be going towards. Oh, I thought we know that King of the Hill is going to be going back, but we don't know if that's going to be the direction that they're going to be doing. Uh, well, that's uh, no, I'm pretty sure that's what they're going for. I thought. You know, oh, okay. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty I sure mean, that's what they said. Maybe. I might be yeah, wrong about that. I, but, you know that, that's what's been that's what was being discussed. So, like, oh, yeah, that's yeah. right, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, um, but, you know, the Flintstones are now doing this, but apparently now this is going to be, you know, not in the Stone Age, it's going to be in the Bronze Age, which is going to be interesting. So, uh, I mean, Yeah, like, that, that, should be, that should be really interesting. I mean, obviously, like, they're all, you know, they were kind of going that direction anyway, because obviously they had, like, you know, domesticated animals, which is like, well, yeah, but they were just there for the jokes, you know? Yeah, they like, were for, there for the jokes. I'm sure back you in know, the Bronze Age, people weren't using, you know, uh, but, you know, um, you know, dinosaurs as dishwashers. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then they're always complaining and saying, like, it's a living. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it, make, it makes a lot of sense that they'll be, like, moving into a different age where things have drastically changed over time. Yeah. I wonder if they're going to reference the fact that, uh, you know, the people make the jokes that actually the, the Valencia isn't set in the past. It's actually set in a post-apocalyptic future. You know, like, uh, I wonder I wonder if they're going to make that joke at all. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I I mean I w I wouldn't be surprised if they do. Oh, that'd be hilarious. 
Like, you know, that would be hilarious. Maybe we'll get another crossover with the Jetsons and they'll be like, oh, it's been confirmed. You know, the Flintstones takes place in a post-apocalyptic future. It's like, you know, like, a, oh, my goodness, we made like a, a, a discovery from like thousands of years ago. It's a Nintendo Wii. <laughs> 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 Never seen that before. <laughs> no, I guess not. Oh, anyway, so uh, according to what the synopsis is, is that Fred is on the brink of retirement and a 20-something Pebbles is embarking on her own career, which is more aligned what happened in, um, you know, both of the specials that we talked about, as well as in the 1970s series in which they were teenagers and Pebbles wanted to lean more towards wanting to be her own independent woman. So, yeah, yeah and this also, does well, keep in mind, like, uh, interesting to see where all the other characters are, because keep in mind, like, in these specials as well, like, you know, where, where, where Wilmer and Betty wanted to start their own business, and... Uh, yeah, they, they, they did, they, they had their own catering system, exactly. uh, uh, company, yeah. Exactly, yeah, and I'm trying to remember where everyone else was up to at that point. I mean, like, I don't know, maybe they're going to rewrite this, you know, rewrite this again, maybe, and maybe they're going to be doing something They'll probably but... rewrite it again. I don't think Wilma and Betty will have their own catering company, and, I mean, at, when those specials came out, Fred was still working for Mr. Slate, so he wasn't at the point of retirement yet. Yeah, so, well, I mean, in this, he's, gonna, he's on the verge of retirement, so he's at that point where he's going to be, like, saving up to, like, say, okay, I'm going to finally retire, you know? Yeah, maybe they'll actually look older, because, I mean, let's be honest, I mean, they look more or less the exact same when, even when Pebbles and Bam Bam were adults. Well, you never know. Well, I mean, we're going to see what the designs look like, you know, who knows, maybe, uh, you know, with Fred Flintstone might be getting a few more gray hairs, and uh, maybe a few other ones, I, I don't know. But, uh, I mean, it's just, it's, uh, I mean, the only thing I think of is that, I mean, if they're, I mean, obviously, I don't think they're going to be making it canon with, like, the specials at all. Like, you know, we mentioned the specials, but I don't think they're going to make them canon to that, I don't think. No, I, I think they're going to have this as its own separate thing. Yeah, I think so, because, like, you know, if we're going to stay canon to the thing, like, you know, Fred won't be able to retire at this point, because obviously he spent the nest egg, like, you know, obviously he gambled the nest egg on, like, the, uh, the, the it the, um, uh, on that on that Broncos game, and that started the events of like you know I I, I Dabba do where like you know he thought he had to get you know to get them all married in Vegas and stuff, you know mm -hmm. like it was just this, so that if anything like he barely had any money to start you know at the very end of it all, so uh, like uh, and then obviously there was the joke of like you know where Barney like you know winning it you know in Rock Vegas and all this money and then obviously investing it some some other place, so. Um, yeah. yeah, I think that they're probably going to look at the original Flintstones and then just spin it off from there. So they'll probably ignore the Pebbles and Bam Bam series from the 70s, and they'll ignore the other specials that came out of the 80s and 90s. It'd be interesting to see if they do reference them, but I, I don't think so. Who, who knows? I don't think so either, yeah. yeah. Maybe, I mean, is it even mentioned that Pebbles and Bam Bam are married at this point? I don't think they are. No, I mean, the, the only thing that they mentioned is that um, Pebbles is going to be in her, uh, embarking her own career, so there's no mention of even, um, you know, her and Bam Bam or even together. Yeah, that's in, that'd be interesting. I mean, I mean, it'd be an interesting departure if they decided to do it because obviously every time that you know, even in the original, uh, you know, uh, uh, for instance, series, like it was, it was suggested that Pebbles and Bam Bam did marry eventually, and also it was done in the new version of the Flintstones as well. So I don't know if they decided to do something different. Maybe they might just just be friends at this point. I don't know. Mm. So we'll see. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. yeah, so that is all we know of for now. So if we do hear any more news about it, we will keep you guys posted. Mm -hmm. All right. So once again, we have news involving with unionizing because... <laughs> apparently we haven't caught up with that so yeah we talked about how nickelodeon was able to finally unionize about a month ago but now we have disney wanting to get into this which 
I hope they do because, man, I mean, there's a long history of Disney wanting to unionize for decades. Like, I'm not even joking. Even when Walt Disney was around, there was huge protests of wanting unionization. And now they're finally putting down to the Animation Guild that they want to have unionization so that they can be able to have better benefits and better pay, especially with everything that's been going on. So, yeah, I mean, the production workers are saying, please let us be unionized. Yeah. So, um, I mean, in regards to this, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm a full support of it. Like, I mean, also keeping this in mind, like, you know, Disney has not been treating their employees all that well like the last couple of years, definitely during the nope. pandemic as well. So, I mean, the, them now asking for unionization to protect themselves doesn't surprise me in the slightest. You know, like no, and, uh, it doesn't. It, it and doesn't this is going to be another headache for Disney, and you know they they really are going to have to be very careful about this. You know, in regards to how they treat their employees from here on in, because I mean, um, you know, sooner or later, like in, in regards to like uh, you know the animation studios and you know even the theme parks, they're not the only game in town anymore. Pretty much, like you know, where Super Nintendo World's going to be opening up soon, or it's already opened up already in some places. Yeah. And, you know, uh, no doubt they're going to be expanding the Universal Parks at some point. And so, you know, uh, and also um, it's gonna, it's getting harder for Disney also to, uh, you know, uh, navigate themselves in Florida right now for all sorts of political reasons. So, you know, they, they really are going to have to be very careful here in regards to all of this. And uh, with Bob Iger coming back and now we're going to kind of like, you know, reverse a lot of like of the, of the damage that's basically been done to Disney recently. I think uh, he'll probably be looking about this too. I probably would imagine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so let's take a look at what the original letter says. So, uh, courtesy of the official website of the International Alliance of Theatrical Stage Employees, or IATSE, it says as such, We are writing this letter to encourage Disney leadership to do the right thing and recognize the demand of production coordinators, production managers, and production supervisors to join IATSE Local 839, the Animation Guild. This is the same union that represents the artists and TDs we work alongside each and every day. The Walt Disney Company is a massive company with a legacy that spans 100 years. It is time for Disney to recognize the contributions that production workers make to ensure the creative, financial, and cultural success of Disney's animation features and special projects it's time we have the protections of a union like our mpeg editors and artists and td colleagues in the animation guild i'm just gonna skip on forward and i'm just gonna read off the last paragraph uh disney we demand you do the right thing and voluntarily recognize the iatse and its local a39 the animation guild as the exclusive representation of all production coordinators managers and supervisors trying to exclude half of us based off of the standard not applicable to our industry based on current practices is an attempt to divide us it will not work the endurance of disney for the past 100 years is only made possible by the workers who create the beloved films and shows that have inspired generations wouldn't it be incredible if disney began the next 100 years by recognizing and supporting the workers rights to organize sincerely production coordinators production supervisors production managers union representative wdas employees and additional supporters so as of the making of this uh there are 15,824 signatures collected and and they only need 9,776 more so that they can reach their goal of 25,600. Okay. Well, uh, uh, let's see what happens. Like, uh, I mean, but, you know, Disney needs an answer to this. So, um, no, they, they haven't answered to this yet. No, the, well, sure no that once... they haven't answered yet, but they need an answer and they better get one pretty quickly. So. Yeah. I, I hope that they can be able to go in the right direction and have them unionized. 
Mm-hmm. All right, so let's go over to our next bit of news. So, you know, one of our favorite things that we like to do here in Aaron and Patricia is to check out the Google trends. So we did this last time when we looked at what everybody's favorite Nickelodeon show was. In honor of the upcoming Mario movie, we're looking at everybody's favorite Mario character. So uh, this is a combination of Google trends that had happened over the past several years. And they had decided to dig through on who would be the favorite character. So this is courtesy of Chico, an Italian manufacturer of children's clothing and toys. And they had dug through the Google Trends to find out. So uh, they used uh, analyzed searches for 10 characters in the Mario universe over a five-year period. And this is the rundown. So you ready for this? Uh, Let's go for it. All right, then. So... Here are the uh, popular characters. Uh, we're going to go into like a top, like a, I guess, even though it says right here that these are like uh, tied for like fourth or third place, but let's take a look at this. So, well, by the way, uh, I, I'm not, by the way, everybody, I've not seen this list, so I'm naturally re- re- reacting to it. So, okay, then, yeah, let's, let's do this. So, all right, so according to the poll, so number, okay, so tied at number four, we have Donkey Kong. Waluigi and Mario. That's number four. That's number four. Okay, then. Interesting to see who number three and two and one's going to be. All right, then. So, right before we do that, I'm just going to read off what states there were. So, Donkey Kong's uh, states we have uh, Montana, North Dakota, Michigan, and um, Arkansas. So, apparently, those are the favorites of <laughs> Donkey Kong. And as for. Uh, Waluigi, we have Alaska, we have Idaho, we have Oregon, and I think, uh, let me see, one, two, oh yeah, and Hawaii. Oh, okay, <laughs> that's interesting. I mean, like, I guess they're yeah. the ones who are like trying to get, you know, who are trying to get Waluigi into Super Smash Brothers, I guess. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. Um, okay, so Mario, we have. Uh, let's see what we got. We have um, Utah, we have Oklahoma, we have South Dakota, and I think that's um, I think that's Nevada. Okay. Yeah. So, all right. Let's go over to the next one. So, next one we have is uh, okay. So, t- okay. So, number three on the list is Daisy. Daisy. Who 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 selected Daisy? Um, let's see what we got. So, uh, yeah, we have, let's see what we got. Um, I think that's New Mexico. Um, no, no, let's see, New Mexico. We have, um, uh, oh, is that, is that supposed to be Rhode Island? <laughs> okay. uh, I don't know. You're the American. I <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I mean, the reason why I'm saying this is because it's like a tiny little blurb all the way in the Northeast. So I think that's supposed to be like Rhode Island because um, it's really tiny from here. They, I mean, I don't know. I really don't understand why they always have like tiny states to like showcase these because I can, I, I don't know if I just need to see it like much more clearly, but it's, it's ridiculous that they just always have them in like the tiniest like maps. Anyway, so yeah, Arizona, Nevada, and oh, that's um, okay. So I'm trying to see here. Oh, it's New Jersey. Okay, so it's not it's not Rhode Island. It's New Jersey. So yeah, New Jersey apparently is a Daisy fan. Um, we have um, Arkansas, who's also a big Daisy fan, and also another one is Kentucky. 
So, yeah, I guess they're huge Daisy fans over there. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, given the fact that, you know, um, I'm quite surprised that a majority of states decided that, you know, Daisy, you know, uh, was uh, going to be, you know, the popular Nintendo character. But all right, then. That is surprising. Yeah, it is very surprising. All right. So at number two with uh, 14 states, we have Luigi. Um, that do, that re- doesn't surprise me, actually. You know, like, uh, yeah, Lu- I'm not going to Louis- read off all the states, but I'm just going to read off several of them. Some of the states we have is Alabama, Texas, Louisiana, Florida, New York. Um, we have uh, Missouri. We have Wyoming. So, yeah, a lot of states really love Luigi. Tennessee yeah. also loves Luigi, too, and uh, so does Indiana. Mm-hmm. So, um, right, I mean, and, so, I mean, yeah. in regards to uh, Luigi, I mean, like, you know, he, he had Luigi's Mansion, which is obviously, so, you know, obviously he's been in for Smash Brothers as well. So, like, and also, well, mind you, uh, we're not going off, like, you know, Mario is missing and, like, you know, all the other, like, you know, dreadful <laughs> no, no, know, no, no, educational games. Yeah, like, you know, Luigi's had, a, had enough suffering in, in, the, in the 90s, but, uh, you know, he's finally got to the point where he's no longer living in his brother's shadow. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's true. I mean, Luigi has 10 states that love him more than Mario. That's crazy. But he wasn't able to defeat our number one. At number one with 16 states, it's Wario. Um, well, he's number one. Yeah, Wario uh, is number one. Um, well, the WarioWare games were really popular at the time, and, you know, Wario as a character is, you know, is, you know, he is, he is a, a, you know, a great antagonist. Here's the thing, like, uh, that's what I'm saying, in the Super Mario movie, if they decide to make a second one, he should be the next villain in the second movie. Yeah. Like, you know, like, everyone everyone would love that, I think. <laughs> uh, yeah, so let me read out some of the states that he is huge fans of. So, Washington, New Mexico... Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, Virginia, Pennsylvania, and uh, pretty much all of throughout uh, the northeast of uh, the United States and Illinois. Uh, and th- and then there's also Minnesota. So yeah, he is um, you know beloved by both the, uh, the the West Coast, the Midwest, and the and also the Northeast. So yeah, a lot of warrior love. Yeah. Yeah, and then there's some other like sprinkles of other characters here and there. Uh, Yoshi is beloved in California, Maine, and uh, various others. And only one, if you can believe this, Aaron, only one state loves Bowser. Well, wait, I mean, <laughs> can I, I, you I, guess which? Wait, wait, can wait. you guess which one? Uh, which one is it? Okay, the one that really loves Bowser is maryland maryland okay mm-hmm. so, but uh, you know uh, i guarantee you i think when jack black you know wows his performance everybody with his performance as uh, bowser in the uh May super mario brothers movie i think we'll probably get some more states probably loving bowser you know yeah so. all right so yeah i guess that's uh that is pretty much it when it comes to the google trends data Really interesting about how everybody's favorite character goes to uh, Waluigi and Mario and all these other ones. I mean, apparently Mario not as much, I guess. But well, I mean, he's not, he's, you know, it's not like he's out of the. It's not like he's out of the top five, is it? So, like, mm-hmm. let's let's be honest. Like, you know, Mario has been around forever at this point. So, I wouldn't be too surprised if people are looking for alternatives. Oh wait, I I I mis um, miscalculated. It's not Maryland that loves Bowser. It's Washington D.C. <laughs> oh, okay then. Well, like uh, yeah, uh, Bowser twenty twenty four, I guess. But 
I guess so. Bowser 2024. Bowser why not? If why Jack not? Black is going to be Bowser and he says that, you know, he's going to be running for president, I don't think anybody would be against it. Do you imagine if Jack Black decided, uh, you know, screw it, I'm going to run for the Democratic nomination and uh, he was up against Donald Trump in a debate? You know, that, 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 oh, that, now that's television. <laughs> <laughs> that is television. Can you imagine just Donald Trump just be making stupid? You know, he would just be made them just you know making stupid statements, and Jack Black would just be joking about them. You know, and everyone would just be laughing. Oh, good grief! <laughs> that would be something else. Yeah. Wow. All right. Well, that's that's our list, everybody. So let's just <laughs> let's just move on to the next one. So. Uh, we've heard about this Garfield animated movie for quite a while now. The only thing we knew about it was that Chris Pratt was going to be our Garfield. That was literally everything that we knew about it. But recently, we had some information courtesy of... Um, let me see if I can read the name. Uh, let's see. Well, this was so uh, this was leaked online on Twitter, I believe. Unless I'm yes, wrong. it was leaked online. Yes, it was leaked online. It was courtesy of Lost Media Busters. That's who it was. Yeah, Lost Media Busters had posted up a thread of all the information that we have of the upcoming Garfield movie. It says right here that a survey had gone out to consumers asking on interest for the new Garfield movie coming out next year. So. Uh, interesting that a survey had been released from certain people saying, hey, do you want to hear about the Garfield movie? And if they said yes, they got all this information. So, okay. Wow. I mean, I didn't receive a survey like this. Mm. <laughs> anyway, so let's read off on what it's uh, it has revealed. So we know what the character designs of Garfield. So... Uh, we know about that. I mean, John looks completely different than other interpretations. His hair is a lot more poofier and he's a lot more skinnier. Uh, I got to be honest with you. John looks like a you know you know those like those standard characters that are, like you're like on PSAs and like you know you know presentations and stuff. He kind of looks like that. I got to be honest. With you. Okay. He looks like he's ready to sell me VPNs. You know, like I got to <laughs> okay, be honest. With you. Yeah, jo John looks pretty generic in this one. So okay. Uh, and we have some new characters who are introduced to this. So Garfield's father, Vic, which is really interesting because we have rarely, if ever, have heard of Garfield's father. We know of Garfield's mother, if we remember from both the comics and the specials that aired in the 80s. But this is the first time in which God, his father is going to be a major focus. I'm really uh, the bad this, guy. I mean, I mean like, um, I mean, just recording on that. I mean, like, uh, looking at Garfield's dad, I mean, like, uh, do you remember Sonic Unleashed? Yes. Like, it kind of looks like, it kind of looks like Garfield if, like, you know, he was, uh, you know, if um, that had happened to him, you know? Like, mm -hmm. he, he, he became, like, you know, the other uh, way. <laughs> He's like a wear Garfield. <laughs> <laughs> wear Garfield. Yeah. Anyway, so, yeah, we have the villain of this film who's going to be Jinx and her two henchmen, Roland and Nolan. So Jinx is, Jinx is a cat and Roland and Nolan are dogs. Um, we have also, in addition to that, we have the voice cast, which, uh, again, has not been mentioned other than Chris Pratt as Garfield. So let's read off who's going to be our voice cast. So uh, we have um, Brett Goldstein, who's going to be playing Roland. Samuel L. Jackson is going to be playing Vic. Cicely Strong is going to be playing as Marge, the security guard. 
Nicholas Holt is going to be playing John. Uh, Bowen Yang is going to be Nolan. Ving Rames is going to be playing Otto, who's a bulldog. Um, Hannah Waddingham is going to be Jinx. And then, of course, there's Chris Pratt as Golf. And finally, the thing that was released was the plot synopsis. Garfield is a new animated movie that follows the lasagna-loving, Monday-hating, fluffy, and fat orange cat through a funny, hijinks-filled heist featuring a voice cast of Chris Pratt and Samuel L. Jackson. When Garfield was a baby kitten, he gets abandoned in an alley on a dark and rainy night. Scared, wet, and hungry, he follows the scent of something delicious to find John eating, a cheesy, mouth-watering pizza. John gives Garfield a bite, which quickly turns into a little Garfield swallowing the pizza whole. John adopts Garfield and later a puppy named Odie. They become a loving family complete with weekly lasagna-eating nights. Garfield enjoys his pampered life as an indoor cat. One night while making a midnight snack of all the leftovers in the fridge, when, um... I mean, just skip over to the next pitch. Oh, yeah. Uh, Garfield and Odie are kidnapped by Nolan, a tiny whippet, and Roland, a huge Sharpay. The dogs uh, then take them to the secret lair of Jinx, a divas show cat and criminal mastermind. Garfield is relieved only when Vic shows up to rescue them, only to discover that Vic is the absentee father who long ago abandoned Garfield in the alley. Jinx and Vic go way back. He double-crossed her years ago, which landed her in the pound for five years. He got her scared dog henchman to kidnap Garfield and Odie because she knew it would lure Vic to her and she wants payback. Jinx demand give her 1,672 bottles of milk, one for each day that she was in the pound in 72 hours. If she don't, she will sick Roland and Nolan on them. To get the milk, Garfield and the gang must pull off an elaborate heist in a high security dairy farm. To get there, they have to jump onto a speeding train. When they get to the farm, they start planning and training for the heist. Reluctant Garfield learns how to be an outdoor cat and he learns to make amends with Vic so they can work as a team. Can Garfield and the gang get through all the obstacles in their way, including an electric fence, massive cheese shredder, and scary security guards to get milk for the evil jinx? Garfield will do his best, even if it means stepping away from his comfortable life and into the big world outside of his window. Okay. (laughs) Wow, that's a pretty elaborate plot for a Garfield movie. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like, I gotta be honest with you, I couldn't, I couldn't comment on any of that. Like, uh, yeah, there's just, there's just too much of it. I mean, like, yeah, this is, this is a lot. I mean, especially since it pretty much writes away everything that we knew about Garfield. First of all, Garfield was born in an Italian restaurant with his mom, and they got separated when the restaurant closed down. And then Garfield and his mom reunited years later, and his mom was an alley cat who lived in that restaurant secretly. And then, you know, the whole thing about Garfield's father was rarely mentioned at all. And also the fact that Garfield loved lasagna because he was born and raised in an Italian restaurant. So the whole thing about, like, meeting up with John eating a pizza doesn't make any sense at all. And remember with Odie, he was owned by Hyman right before that, um, you know, he completely disappeared for whatever reason. So, yeah, they're completely changing the story of Garfield which, you know, it's not too much of a big deal for people who, you know, grew up with, um, you know, Garfield, especially with, um, you know, the story has been changed constantly, like with the Garfield movies and specials. But yeah, this is like something that I've, like, 
I've never heard of something like this elaborate involving with like heist and reuniting with a lost father and all this kind of stuff. It's like, <laughs> this is a lot, man. So basically, we're just done in the Garfield story all over, all over again for like the umpteenth yes. time. Yeah, like, pretty much. I, I'm already I'm already disinterested. You know, like it's just it's uh, why not just do why not just you know we all know what the Garfield story is just do, just you know it's not like it needs to be changed over again, does it? You know, I mean they've done it. Like, we mentioned this with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, in which you know even though that they've kept the original story about like four turtles and they were raised together by a rat and they're taking yeah, down but, but all this, the this evil stuff. But this is different. This is different. This is like a, this is completely starting from scratch and rewriting the, the Garfield story all, all over again. Uh, apparently, yes. and which is just like, uh, which okay, like it's not that it's not been done before. I'm not, I'm not saying that's um, a problem within itself, but uh, I mean, like it's just it's. Uh, I mean, I just been reading about all of that. Like you know, for a synopsis, that's pretty exhausting for like you know uh, people to kind of get their heads into. Pretty much. Yeah, like, I, and also they've cut off a lot of iconic Garfield characters. There, no normal, no Liz. Garfield's mom is not even going to be in this one. Uh, I mean, yeah, you're removing a lot of iconic characters and replacing it with new ones. You're completely changing the story from the ground up, as opposed to like in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem, in which they've kept the original backstory of the turtles, but then they're just going to go off from there. So, yeah, I mean, like, it's completely like rewriting the book of Garfield. Yeah, like, why are they doing I mean, I, I don't understand the justification for any of this, to be honest mm. with you. Like, I'm, still, I, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm still trying to get my head around that Samuel L. Jackson's going to be in this. Yeah, he's going to be Garfield's dad. Exactly, yeah. Like, uh, you know, it's just, it's, uh, meow, motherfucker, do you speak it? You know? <laughs> uh, it's just... Uh, the Okay, well, again, this is all the information we know of. We know the plot synopsis. There's we too know much the information. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, we, we haven't seen a trailer. That's that's the thing. We haven't seen a trailer yet. Well, I mean, we. The, the, I mean, this is just leaks. The information that's been given to. I mean, who did it say this was given? This was given to. It was given to like a test um, people who. Yeah, there were there was a survey, a survey. that was going okay. around to consumers, and when they said yes, they got all this information, and that's how we were able to get it. Okay, so there was this survey that was given out. Good grief, they gave a lot out to people i mean like it's just it's uh i mean i'm interested to see if how this all turns out if it does come about i have no idea but uh, i mean at the moment like you know they, there's all this leak i mean like it's just it's kind of spilled the beans on all of this really like you know it's uh i don't know like it's just they should have really kept this more secretive really like or they shouldn't have given a, i think they've given away too much information in, in my opinion I don't know. Well, I, I I take it that they weren't expecting for these people to actually leak all this stuff online. They were what? just like, "Hey, well, you want to hear about what this stuff is about?" about? It's okay. the internet. Well, the the ghost stuff's gonna leak. You know, like uh, remember, like all that Super Mario stuff that we heard about before they they you know when that all like, leaked online. Like you know, but mind you, even then, it kind of gave us you know some you know liberties in our imagination about what this is gonna be. This gives us nothing. Like this basically just tells us, okay, this is what it's gonna be. Like, you know, and, uh, you know, well, I don't really want to hear, like, what it's going to be. Like, you know, give us an idea, and then after that, make the movie, you know, and then, then surprise us, you know? Yeah, I mean, if you would have just, like, left it in, like, 
the first paragraph, like right here, like here's, um, you know, when Garfield was a baby kitten, he was abandoned and, you know, he meets up with John and he loves his life as an indoor cat, like right there. You could have just left it right there and then you wouldn't have like, you know, released everything from there. I I, I think you're right. I think that they released too much information. Like we already know. It makes you like, wonder if they, um, actually, if, they, if they released this by accident in the survey, like, you know, if they uh, weren't supposed to like release all of that, like, you know, when you do writing, like, you know, when you write out the story, for the first time obviously you come up with like you know this like uh, summary of like what's going to happen i wonder if they released that by accident or if that was actually intentional i don't know I, i'm i'm not sure either i think that um whoever that the people um you know that they were given the survey to i mean i think that they were just like maybe giving like some synopsis but maybe they accidentally you know released too much i'm not sure hmm but yeah, I mean, for everybody who was like really curious about what the Garfield movie was going to be about, well, here you go. That's everything. You have you have the plot, you have the cast, and you have the character design. So make of it what you will. Yeah. All right, so let's go over to our last bit of news right before we go into spoilers. So Bob Iger had announced that they're going to be reducing the cost of films and TV shows to focus on quality, not volume. So this is a very similar thing of what happened with uh, Slavic when he talked about the stuff that they were doing for HBO Max, and that's gotten people really concerned. Yeah, it's just it's. Uh, I mean, what's going to happen here? Like, I mean, I really the say if Bob Iger turned around and said, "Okay, we're no longer going to do the live action remakes, and we're not going to we're going to basically focus on original content." Like, I guarantee you that would make everyone so happy. I think, and you know that—that's that, the first thing you probably should do. Stop making these live action. You know, it's the same with like these, you know, these straight to DVD sequels. Like when they were making all of those, I like, put a stop to that. Like you know, enough yeah, already. But yeah, but you know, here's the thing: John Lasseter stopped that, you know, not Michael Eisner or Bob. Well, by that, uh, regardless of who stops it, someone should stop it now. In regards to that, like you know, if if it goes to be a way, okay, we're going to reduce the cost of the making the film. So uh, obviously, we're going to be, you know. Um, I'm hoping that this could be, you know, stopping like all the live action stuff and, you know, concentrating on, you know, what, uh, you know, is, is going to make the money and uh, what is going to make people happy about, you know, the Disney, the Disney quality. Like, you know, if, if it was, it was like a quality over quantity, that would be great. That's a great message to send in regards to all yeah. of that. Uh, so, and, you know, he says the TV show is going to focus on quality. Great. I mean, like, uh, I mean, mind you, like, you know, we've got quality already with like, you know, Amphibia, you know, Gravity Falls and uh, the Owl House. And uh, various other shows as well. Like, uh, um, I'd be very happy if you turn around and say, "Okay, well, we're not going to make any of the other crappy shows. We're going to basically focus on those," you know. And uh, but uh, I mean, obviously that that ship's now sailed. Uh, and um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I like the overall message. However, you know, I don't know. I mean, he, it's quite a vague message. We don't know what's going to come of this. You know, this uh, direction he wants to take Disney in regards to that. Like, I mean, it doesn't really give you much uh, hope that, you know, he's already announced Toy Story 5 and, uh, you know, announced, uh, you know, Inside Out 2 and, uh, like, announced, like, a bunch of sequels, you know, in regards to that. Let me say that, you know, these are, you know, Toy Story 5 is understandable because Toy Story is Toy Story and it's always going to make money regardless, but, uh, you know, um, some of the other stuff that got released, also to overshadow, you know, 7,000 layoffs as well. Good grief. You know, yeah. It's just, it's, uh, so yeah. let's talk about this, shall we? So this was uh, during the um, the Morgan Stanley Technology Media and Telecom Conference that happened in San Francisco uh, just about a few days ago, where they were looking at that they were going through a major financial loss. So one billion dollar loss at Disney direct to consumer digital segment in the most recent quarter, and. 
the fact that they've lost a lot of subscribers too, like we mentioned earlier when we were discussing about the Owl House. And not to mention that we mentioned this earlier that um, 7,000 jobs were cut at Disney to reduce operating costs of more than $5.5 billion. So this is what he said in terms of this. In our zeal to grow global subs, I think we were off in terms of that too low pricing strategy, and we're now starting to learn more about it to adjust accordingly. And then there was discussing about like, what are they gonna do about Hulu? And they're still trying to work on that because remember that Disney and Comcast have the rights to Hulu. And he says, before we make any big decisions about our level of investment, our commitment is to our business. We wanna understand where Hulu can go. And there was a lot of other uh, things that have um, been called out, such as uh, the, the separation between uh, advertising, sales, subscriptions, and all that kind of stuff. And he was talking about that it's all about accountability, understanding the marketplace of where you want to be able to spend and how you want to be able to revenue um, all that kind of information and all that expenses. They need to be able to pull back together, not just for sanity purposes, but for the opportunity to reduce expenses. And um, then they're also talking about like they're going to be pushing towards streaming theatrical titles, undermining the licensing and retail businesses, and that they can be able to coexist on traditional distribution platforms and streaming without damaging either due to differing team platforming audiences. Uh, even though that they'll eventually migrate to streaming, they're not there 100% yet. So, yeah, there's going to be a lot of changes happening, especially since they have to, re, um, you know, kind of like bring back all the revenue that they lost. Yeah. And uh, in regards to like, you know, going back to traditional distribution, I think I'm all for it. Like, you know, like, uh, you know, uh, I said, I, the minute I heard about that, I said, uh, you know, uh, Amphibia, Gravity Falls, Owl House, you know, on, on Blu-ray, please. Like, you know, uh, get them out there so I can have like, physical media on them, you know. Yeah, exactly. And I'm, I'm really happy to hear that because, you know, a lot of, you know, DVDs, you know, they're going to be coming out of print soon. I mean, there's just been an announce from the Shout Factory that Gravity Falls, they're releasing the last bits of their DVD right before they're no longer in stock. As soon as that's done, they're over. And the only way that people are going to be able to watch these officially is by streaming services. But what happens if, you know, streaming services take these away, then there's no way to watch it other than watching it illegally. Exactly. So another way to watch it is to have a physical release. And a lot of people are wanting to see more of that. And so hearing that makes me happy to know that they'll be doing that in the future. Yeah. I just think that, uh, you know, yeah, getting rid of a traditional distribution, I think, you know, was a mistake. I think uh, at this point, like, you know, they were making money out of doing all this stuff. And so, and like, uh, you know, it's, you know, everyone really likes this kind of, cause, you know, when you do like the special edition, kind of like, you know, DVD releases, like, say, for example, like, you know, they did one for uh, the Owl House and like when that show is over and they did like, you know, oh, hey, here's three DVDs. Like one has like, you know, it's a, one, it's one season one, season two, and then you got season three, which is like, you know, uh, on, on another one. And then I did like, like, you know, you got all the bonuses, you got the extras, you got all that, all that good stuff. Like uh, even with Bucky O'Hare and the Toad Wars, when they did like, you know, uh, the, their, their DVD, like, you know, on there, you can, like, you know, get all, like, the bonus material, like, you know, some of the scripts, some, like, you know, some of the other stuff, some of the art, you know, like, you know, it's some getting, like, really cool stuff, I think is really cool. I think, and uh, yeah, you don't, and, you don't and get and that I think with that Another thing that we can add in there is like interviews and commentaries. I think that a lot of people have been missing that. Yeah. Oh, good. You know, a Dana Terrace and like you know a, 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 a cast commentary over Owl House episodes would be so loved. I think you know, mm -hmm. getting an insight into like you know some of the most emotional episodes of the show. Yeah. Oh, we'd love that. 
Uh, that would be great. Yeah. Yeah, and I know this has nothing to do with um, the discussion of Bob Iger saying, you know, all of the streaming stuff and, and you know, what they're going to be able to do to cut costs. But another thing that he mentioned was that he thinks that the theme park prices are too aggressive. Um, that I definitely agree with. And also, yeah. um, they're going to go higher as well because, you know, the, uh, you know, uh, it's just, uh, you know, right now the economy is just going into free fall. And um, so, like, you know, unless, you know, inflation gets under control and things like that, they're just going to keep going up and up, too, because, you know, demands for is going to keep going up for, uh, you know, materials that they'll need for the parks and things like that. So, like, you know, that's good. That's got to go. That's got to come under control. I, I don't know if they're going to do it for like, you know, they'll do more like, you know, deals Well, like, you know, if you're going like on a family holiday to uh, to Disney, then they'll basically, you know, give you a discount on various things as well. Or maybe they might offer discounts to all the hotels. Like, you, you remember you and me, like when we went to uh you know, you and I were picking hotels in uh, Florida to uh, go to Disney World based on the fact that we get discounts and we get, you know, free travel over to the park if we if we get it. That's right. If, yeah, if you remember. So, you know, those people still exist. Like, they're still looking for, like, you know, okay, we want package holidays, but at the same time, like, we don't want to go, like, officially through Disney. We just kind of, like, want to like, use the hotels that are, like, nearby and basically have, free, you know, transportation over to, you know, the places. And uh, you and I did that pretty well, you know. Uh, I think uh, it was Best Western, I think we, I think we went through. I yeah, think we did. We did stay in Best Western. Yeah. We stood there for, like, two or three days, and we took advantage of the ticket prices and the fact that we were able to get free rides so that we didn't have to worry about parking. And most importantly, not breaking the bank either because like staying at the best western wasn't it wasn't uh, you know wasn't too bad was it so like no, it wasn't the, at all. the only reason i found it too bad is because i had to i accidentally paid uh, with uh, you know my uh, my british credit card so my british uh, debit card so uh, i ended up incurring a charge for like you know paying you know having pounds converted into dollars but you know right, but i digress i mean like uh, in regards to um you know um the local economy around you know the, the the disney parks i think if they did something to like help out those local businesses and they did something to help out the local consumers so like you know get a better deal with staying you know during a disney stay i think that would do a world of good i think uh, for disney because then you basically you got a yeah. hotel and then you got the park and you got it all at an affordable price so that needs to that needs to happen Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, according to what Bob Iger said in terms of, you know, being too aggressive, he said, I always believed that Disney was a brand that needed to be accessible. And I think that in our zeal to grow profits, we may have been too aggressive on some of our pricing. I think there's a way to continue to grow our business, but be smarter about how we price so that we can maintain that brand value of accessibility, which is true, because if you remember that um, ticket prices were getting like really really high and the way of trying to enter into the rides was ridiculous like having like the the genie pass and you had to like pay a certain amount of money just to wait a few minutes shorter wasn't even worth it for a lot of people mm -hmm. yeah i mean i'm glad that bob Iger was able to see this and saying like yeah i think that we need some tightening up so maybe they'll be able to like remove some of the fat that is like unnecessary for disney and being able to like produce some of the quality stuff that we've been wanting to see because i mean let's be honest like you were saying before those live action remakes i think have got to go yep I mean, let's be honest. I mean, not a lot of people are really excited for them. I mean, you know, when, when was the last time a, pe a person was saying, like, wow, you know, I've always wanted to see that live action? Well, I mean, like, it's kind of funny because they kind of, like, have short shelf life, don't they? Like, you know, they kind of come and go. Like, you know, uh, I mean, I get that The Lion King made, like, a billion at the box office, but I barely hear anybody talking about it now since then. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, they do make a lot of money, admittedly, but they're just not as um, impactful and fondly remembered as the animated stuff. Because they can't get away with it in live action. 
Like, you know, like, it's a cartoon for a reason. You know, it's a medium that's, like, more flexible than actually doing it in real life. Yeah, unfortunately for some people, and I've already told this story many times, but I remember the time in which, um, you know, an executive over at ABC was uh, working on a project that we were doing at school, and they were mentioning about how they like the live-action remakes because they can never treat the animated movies as seriously. Mm. You know, my biggest worry is, like, you know, now we're starting to like see AI art and we're starting to see, like, AI-related stuff. Like, maybe their idea of, like, you know, cutting down costs is that we're going to see a lot more AI stuff. You know, which... Um... I mean, this is the thing that Tom Hanks was was scared of. It's like, you know, we're going to be getting all of these, like, you know, actors who are just going to be robots. And then, you know, AI is going to be the one writing the scripts. And AI is going to be the one coming up with the ideas for the stories of things and movie synopses. But... Yeah, I mean, we, we talked about this last week about, like, AI and how, you know, accurate it's trying to be with a lot of things. And, you know, even though that it hasn't gotten there yet, we'll probably get there eventually. Yeah. my big Well, mind you, um, given the fact that, uh, you know, AI currently is a, a moral thing going on right now because, uh, I mean, it's being used... It's the way they've been training AI has been using, like, you know, content that's been found on the internet by other people. And the problem with that is, is that uh, if that's going to be the case and this starts going into the mainstream... You know, there's going to be a lot of people who are going to be lawyering up and saying, you know, hey, Disney owns me, owes me a bit of a a a, a, a check in, uh, you know, because they they somewhere down the line, you know, the AI was trying to use my stuff, you know. So um, I can probably imagine that, you know, when this starts to, uh, you know, really start hit mainstream, there's going to be a lot of lawsuits over it. I can probably imagine. So, yeah. You know, so this might not be the money spinner that Disney hopes it's going to be. They might be losing money having to like, you know, settle cases because of it. I'm. I wouldn't be surprised if it did, but let's just hope that it doesn't go into that direction. Well, if it does, it's going to be a problem, you know. And uh, it is going to be if, a major and, problem yeah, because how else? You know, if uh, if they want to reduce costs on films and uh, they uh, are going to be in a position where they're now end up paying their creators and their producers more money, where are they going to go? You know, like uh, how are they going? How are they going to do? I mean, how are they going to pull this off? Effectively, like you know, it's not like they have Walt Disney like you know lying around saying that you know, oh hey, we can just do this, that, and the other. Like you know, those the you know the the that uh, you know innovation's gone now, and now they're sort of left with like whatever's. <laughs> Please let 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 us not have a new generation of people asking what would Walt do because that didn't turn out well last time. Exactly, yeah, and uh, it's just it's uh, that you know they Disney's going to find itself in a bind, I think you know in in the next couple of years, you know for all sorts of reasons, politically, you know, creatively, you know. Um, you know, employability-wise, you know, yeah, it's um, it's going to be challenging times, I think, for the next couple of years for uh, the Disney Corporation. And uh, I don't think they, I don't think Bob Iger, you know, uh, as well as he's done over the last couple of years, I'm not even sure even for this challenge if he can overcome it. You know, so yeah, and that makes me scared about what the next CEO of Disney is going to do to try to fix it. Yeah, probably nothing good. I don't know, that's our nose. <sighs> Yeah, on that sour note, let's talk about something positive with Disney, and that is with Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. Well, so, hang on a second. It is a spoiler section, yeah, just to let everybody know. So uh, if you, this is the end of the show for you if you don't want to get spoiled on Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. So um, if you uh, not wanting to listen any further to us talking about this particular episode, it's episode uh, four, I believe now it is. Yeah, it so, is yeah, four. episode four. So uh, if you're not maybe yourself up to episode four of Moon Girl Dinosaur, go watch it now, and then you know come back to us uh, or either that. You know, we'll see you next week. So, all right, cool. All right, then. take care, everyone. Okay, going once, going twice, going three times, and we're now official as uh, you know, spoiler territory. So, anyway, Patricia, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur, do you want to lead on this? 
All right, so episode four of Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur is Check Yourself. The plot synopsis goes as this. When new, when new, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, when Lunella loses a game of chess against a supercomputer, her obsession with winning drives the frustrated computer into uh, controlling every device in the school to attack her. So, yeah, basically we have an episode where Lunella is obsessed with winning. It's driving everybody around her crazy. And then we have this supercomputer who comes along and challenges her to a game of chess and she is trying to figure out ways of being able to defeat her and we have this whole situation where now the computer is so frustrated that she decided to attack her by controlling every single device that is around the school. Yeah. By the way, um, I, I like this episode just for the fact that, you know, Lunella, you know, we are starting to see, even though she's this super genius who's supposed to be more intelligent than, you know, all the other, you know, other people in the DC universe who are scientists who come up with this stuff. Oh, uh, Marvel. Sorry, Marvel. Sorry, Marvel. Uh, you know, all the people in Marvel who, you know, who have been scientists who have come up with all sorts of incredible things, you know, Lun Lunella can top them in, in pretty much in that game. And uh, so, um, you know, I'm glad that we're seeing that that's actually playing not as an advantage, but also in this episode as a weakness, because she believes yeah. that she's, you know, somewhat like able to like win games through her intellect and basically is now somewhat gone to her head. So um, it starts off with the fact that her family do not want to play, want to have like a quiet time and do not want to play games with her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's but true. They kinda, want to have a game night without her. It's kind of cold when you really think about it, but then obviously we go through the montage of why you don't play a game with Lunella, <laughs> which yeah. is totally justifiable. <laughs> Yeah, it is justifiable. She's trying to find every single strategy of trying to win against her family, and they're very frustrated with, like, oh, we have a game of Twister. Okay, she's going to do a calculation on which is the best angle that she can be able to go into. Okay, we have a game of Scrabble. She's trying to find a way to spell the longest word, even though that she's already won by over 300 points. So, yeah, it makes a lot of sense why the family's like, yeah, we thought that you were going to be having a study night, and so we, they, we decided that we were going to to have a game night without you and yeah i mean it makes a lot of sense you know what well, i actually would like to have lunella as manager of preston north end if she can find like every single conceivable way of like getting them to win you know so like uh, i would appreciate her in that regard but you know playing against her is a whole other thing so um but uh, you know it's all seriousness you know uh, uh, so lunella obviously is uh, you know somewhat outcasted from you know her, her family in regards to games night so uh, she ends up uh, you know in this situation and uh, but then she like starts explaining it to like other people who like you know they themselves also kind of agree that yeah she's quite obsessive when it comes to trying to win games uh, and stuff and so then we're introduced to this supercomputer that appears in an assembly which is kind of you know, surprising really but hey it's moon girl and devil dinosaur uh, but I mean, it makes a lot of sense because there have been cases about like supercomputers challenging people against chess i mean makes a lot of sense considering that we've had multiple cases in which that has happened where yeah, it, some it, of the best, in, best in players in the world it, it kind of comes out of nowhere really like you know yeah we've had like demonstrations at like you know assemblies and stuff like that in school but uh, i mean like nothing on this level uh, in regards yeah, that to that. That is true. I mean, when was the last time that you had a supercomputer come over to your school? Uh, well, I mean, I'll tell a story, actually. So, um, you know, you and I, you remember when we went to the Manchester Science and Industry Museum? And we saw baby yes. for the first time. So, like, okay, it's not mm -hmm. a supercomputer, but you know, baby was like the was a was a was a, was a revolution 
pretty much. Like, you know, it was uh, it was a computer that could make, you know, uh, people, you know, could program things and, uh, you know, was able to, like, you know, uh, make an industry, like, you know, more, more uh, you know, uh, more fluid, uh, pretty much. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's, it was, it was a, it was a, you know, fantastic, you know, addition to, you know, uh, to, to business and, you know, to industry as a whole and also, you know, hum- humankind. You know, it was a computer, for crying out loud. So, like, uh, you know, you and I, I mean, I saw it when I was at, uh, when I was at university, which I thought was really cool. And so then you, and then I introduced you to it as well and talked to you all about for how, how amazing it was. By the way, I do encourage everyone to go see Baby over at Manchester Science and Industry Museum if you haven't seen it already and happens to be in the Manchester area. So, yeah, it's, it's a really cool thing to see. And, uh, but, um, you know, uh, yeah, but besides that, like, there's not really been, like, you know, um, there was some, like, you know, scientific demonstrations and stuff, but nothing on that level, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say in terms of, like, you know, anything like that massive, I have not, unfortunately. There hasn't been a case in which I got a chance to, like, see something that cool come into my school assembly. Usually it'll just be, like, a boring announcement. So exactly. I, I don't that, know. That's I what assemblies have, like, are. It's just like, you get to, it's kind of like, it's going to get you ready for, like, you know, that mundane teams meeting at work, effectively. That's what it is. But yeah, uh, anyway, uh, I digress. Uh, so um, yeah, so LOS is introduced to us, and uh, I mean, um, I'm guessing now that uh, LOS is 307 is going to be a regular character in the show. I guess. I guess so. I yeah. mean, it wouldn't be too much of a surprise if we do get to see more of this character. So, it's a living computer challenges Lunella over to a game of chess. They hit a stalemate, and eventually she becomes uh, really obsessed, wanting to beat up this computer to finally win. And in the meanwhile, the LOS has actually been programmed to know everything about Lunella to the point in which she, you know, the, um, she was actually shocked when the LOS. Said Said, oh, I know who you are. You're Moon Girl. And then Lunella was like, oh no. Yeah, like LOS so, is becoming obsessed with her, pretty much. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So, uh, so then obviously, the, you know, the, they end up uh, challenging. You know, each, you know, they end up with the chess game again at like two in the morning at their school. And uh, then, but then the problem is that LOS, she, she uses this uh, uh, program to, you know, obsessively that uh, she'll end up over. You know, they're, sorry, they them. I do apologize. It's they them. I do apologize. So they all yeah, end up overheating. I do apologize. Uh, but uh, so they uh, end up overheating and uh, then end up turning into this supervillain, pretty much. And so uh, Moon Girl has now got to defeat LOS. Uh, pretty much to, to uh, stop her secret getting out and to stop LOS basically from destroying the destroying the <laughs> destroying the world pretty, you know, in yeah. physical <laughs> superhero fa- uh, fashion. So um, there is one fin- funny thing that happens. So Casey um, ends up um, you know uh, tied up uh, in in the school because uh, she gets a fake text from LOS and gets lured in and ends up getting captured. And then they but there is an opportunity to call the you know devil dinosaur. Only thing is that she ends up having to use a rotary phone and she doesn't know how to use it at the very beginning. Which uh, that's I, actually I, pretty funny. That, that was a brilliant joke. I love that they threw that in. And, uh, yeah, so, it, yeah, it does make a lot of sense considering that they are like young teenagers, and rotary phones have been out of style like decades at that point. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, this is the thing. Like you know, it shows how you know, um, you know. Uh, mind you, the, I'm glad that they made it where the school actually has like the components that they need to like you know teach their students and stuff like that. And also, they, they must have to to have something like that because Lunella, you know, obviously is a super genius, so she probably must be able to, like, you know, be able to, like, enhance her abilities in that regard. It's not like Lisa Simpson, who's basically her talents are going to waste and stuff like that, so I'm really glad that they put that in. Uh, but, oh, sure. Yeah, so, um, they got that, but also they got, like, you know, the, kind of, like, some rustic old, kind of, like, things that are around, and that rotary phone is one of them, and I'm glad they do stuff like that, like,
like, you know, uh, where they'll introduce, the, oh, hey, here's this thing that you've probably never seen before, and this is how you use it. You know, like... Uh, yeah, it, it kind of so. reminds me of, like, in um, episode two, in which um, Lunella was trying to get the concept of a cassette player. <laughs> exactly, yeah. She built it into, like, you know, a tracking device, pretty much. Like, you know, exactly, she, yeah. She reinvented something else. Uh, by the way, actually, uh, it's good that the tape player comes back, because we get, like, another kick-ass track in this in this uh, episode as well. Oh, yeah, for sure. That was fantastic. Yeah, that was great. And so, yeah, we get a massive fight with a giant techno robot, and uh, then ends up, Devil Dinosaur ends up coming in and saving the day, and uh, then... Um, is that, is that, by the way, instead of like, you know, destroying LOS, which I thought would be pretty cruel at the very end, like it would have been kind of like, you know, the DNA computer all over again from Johnny, from the U Avengers of Johnny Quest. I'm really glad they didn't go down that route. But uh, so they did that. And uh, then uh, they, so all they did was to uh, try and, um, you know, they ended up pouring water onto LOS to, uh, you know, calm them, calm them down. But then they yeah, like, up, literally calm them down. down yeah. And uh, but then uh, after that, they end up, you know, we're kind of breaking, you know, LOS because of that. So uh, what they do is they pretty much did what they did with like when you drop a phone in like uh, in, in you know down the toilet or something like that. They basically you, you get a bag of box of rice and stick it in there and hope it all dry out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, now that that's now like, that now that's hilarious. That, uh, that is so, hilarious. Yeah. yeah. But uh, now uh, you know at the very end of it all, LOS now is the school counselor. Uh, that's actually pretty interesting. That's kind of weird to really think about, like uh, you know. Well, I mean, I, I don't know if this is like a commentary about like you know, you know, computer overlords will take over people's jobs, but I don't think that's what the direction they were going for. Yeah, but it'd be interesting to see if like I mean, again, we've not like watched any of the other episodes of the show. But interesting to see when LOS comes back, like you know, is uh, is are they going to be like um, you know um, somewhat a guide for uh, Lunella in some way? Because you know they do have like this you know this bond now pretty much, and uh, so I guess maybe she you know she's going to go to LOS for advice on certain things, be able to like bounce ideas off uh, LOS and stuff. So uh, I mean, I don't know, maybe maybe they might become quite um, an interesting character in in all of this. So, hmm. uh, yeah, could be a possibility. Yeah, maybe Lunella might go to LOS and say, "Hey, you know this, Lu you know this Moon Girl person that I, you know, I mentioned in in season one. I don't know whatever happened to her. Could you answer that question?" And they work it out together. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's gonna maybe maybe the LOS. Hey, who knows? Maybe you know, that Moon Girl girl maybe we made LOS. You never know. Mm. Like that's yeah. true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Well, so I think you know that's a you know, it's a good episode to uh, you know. Uh, continue on, and uh, I think you know uh, Lunella's probably like Lunella. that's the only thing about it as well. That, you know, Lunella right now is while she is a super genius and she is you know she's not like on a Dexter level of like you know flawed, but you know like she does still she is still a kid and she still has things to learn. You know, even though she's still quite smart herself, and so I'm glad they've hammered that in. And so now I'm guessing that every episode is going to be her you know learning a new lesson every time we go around, which uh, I think is a really good way to go with Lunella, in my opinion. I, I agree. Yeah. Cool. All right. So I think that uh, pretty much wraps it up for our discussion. Now, episode five, we already know that it's already out on Disney Plus, but we will not be talking about that until next week. Yeah, as we did with Monsters and well, I mean, Monsters of Work was released like one episode every week, every way. But, you know, we're, we're going to continue doing that, you know, so like, you know, one episode per week. So, yeah, we will continue doing that. All right, everybody. Well, I guess uh, it's the, the only thing that's clear left to say. Take care. Have a, enjoy the rest of your week, and we'll see you next week for the next episode. All right, everyone. Take care. Bye-bye.